0: That is my lesson on how I treat people and how I look at people.
1: And that's why she's my hero, her and my dad. Flex Lewis here, straight out the lair Today's guest is an athlete, bodybuilder, entrepreneur, fitness model, and social media persona who has inspired millions of people worldwide to start living a healthier, more productive life. He's known online for his clear-headed commentary of online gym positivity videos, where he calls our people to be better. Through that, he's become a moral compass and father figure within the fitness industry to inform the uninformed on gym etiquette. We talk about the perils of social media, creating a positive gym culture, the impact from family and friends, and overcoming addiction. This episode is about lifting weights, lifting up others, and lifting ourselves up for a second chance in life. Here's a podcast with Mr. Gym Positivity, Joey Swall. We are live. Joey Swall, straight out the lair. Long time in the making, my friend. Truly appreciate you coming in and literally flying in for us to have a training session here in las vegas you were literally jetting in and jetting out right absolutely
0: it is an honor to be here just here for a couple days flew in got a great workout i went through yesterday to do the podcast today long time coming like you said an honor man an absolute honor to be here
1: and blessing to call you a friend yes sir we had a a show, we have a, we had a back session yesterday we can call it a back session if you a, want no, listen it was a great work it was a good workout i trained you yes you did so for the viewers that i don't know if the back worker will be out already but for those who who haven't seen anything online me and you had a, a back session but prior to me leaving to go to aruba on vacation I ended up tweaking my back on the day that I was supposed to leave. On the day I was leaving, I'm sorry. And uh, thankfully that didn't resurface when I was out in Aruba. But <sighs> my daughter can run in into my arms when I go home. And of course Daddy has to lift her up and flip her around and ragdoll her. That's who she loves. And I tweak my back, my friend. So Joey Swall is in town. Are we doing a back workout flex? Absolutely. So maybe I added a little more issues to the back, but nonetheless, my friend, it's it was great to have that session, and it's been geez, I think the first time we had any type of training session was in Pittsburgh, the Pittsburgh Pro, correct? Yeah. Can you remember oh, wow. what year that was?
0: That was man, twenty twelve, twenty thirteen. Yeah. 2012 or 2013, we were at the gym. I remember Guy was there, Dexter, Mel. Dennis Wolf. Yeah. Branch. Yeah.
1: It was everything, basically all the guest posters. Yeah, that was awesome. That Can was you, great. you remember if I guest posed in that year? I don't remember. No, I guest posed once. I don't know if it was that year, but needless to say, I think Jim Tice is going to bring the mic in a little bit closer to you. There we go. Thank you. But that was a, that was a fantastic show. And of course, I think, wasn't the first time you and I met, was it, at the Pittsburgh? First time. I yeah. I believe that was the first time we ever
0: met. Not the first time I ever saw you. Yeah, uh, But the first time we ever actually met and talked, but I had seen you at the Arnold and other expos just before I was even in the industry. Yeah. Coming up, just being a
1: fan of the sport. I think for me, I remember looking back, I was shocked. Obviously, you see the photos online and there's a lot of people back then. Remember, Photoshop was great. It was, <laughs> what was it, Adobe Photoshop was the trend. But for you, you blew my mind just how big you were. And I didn't realize how tall you were, too. And back then, I think a lot of people were really trying to get you on stage to compete too, because yeah. of like that look and. I love that you just said how tall you are. Thank <laughs> you,
0: but no, it's true. When I meet people, people always think I'm like five three, five four. They really? see stuff on yeah on Google, and the one thing I always get from people is you're much bigger in person, which is like the best compliment. Is tall? tall. No, bigger. No, they're like you're bigger in person. They're always like, oh, I'm listen, I'm five nine. I got a mom." I got a short Irish ma that's five foot one, five foot two. I got an Italian father that's five six, five seven, maybe five eight when he was younger. Two big brothers that are both almost six foot, if not six foot. And Damn. I'm five nine, man. This is how God made me. So,
1: well, why wasn't it any sort of draw for you to get on stage and really focus on that element? Then? <clears throat> and you go on more of the fitness influencer route. So,
0: I did start by competing. I did the Illinois State. Which was a show. Phil Heath actually guest mm-hmm. posed that show when he was coming up. So I did do a number of shows from like 2009 to 2011, 2012, and I just got to a point where I liked where I was. I just wanted to improve some things about my physique, but I didn't want to get to 250, 260, 270 off season. I remember I won a show. I had a coach contact me, and he was like, "All right, we're going to get you ready to do a national show." And I was so excited. I was so excited. And he's like, this is what you got to take. And he gave me a list of stuff of 15 different things. And I was like, what? <laughs> I was like, I, first off, I can't afford that. And secondly, I was always, okay, if we talk about yeah, this on the course. show, I was a less is more guy. Absolutely. When it came friend. to anything exogenously, I still am, always was. I had very basic stuff. And I was just I was like, that's not for me. And I still trained. I still wanted to look good. There was I always had in the back of my mind where maybe I will compete again one day. I never really had off-seasons. Then when you start social media, it's like for social media, if your brand is your business, like I never was, I never wanted to get out of shape or have an off-season where I gain a lot of weight to put on the size that you need to do in order to compete at that level. And also at that time, you didn't have classic physique. I would have been great for classic physique if that had come around. But at that time, you had bodybuilding and then men's physique had started, which was at that time, just skinny surfer type look. You had bikini came into play so for me it was like I was stuck and I was like you know what I just love to train if I get back on stage one day great if not I just I love to train I love the sport I just wanted to build a brand build a business make money be able to take care of my family and if the stage came but the other thing too is as to be successful as a bodybuilder at any level first off if I'm gonna do something I'm gonna do something to win there's people like oh man you look good do a show in a few weeks fuck that if I'm gonna do a show I'm gonna do a show I'm going to take a year, I'm going to prep right, I'm going to do everything right, and I want to. I want people to not want to stand next to me on stage, I want to embarrass everybody on stage, you know what I mean? You want to go up there the best to win, you don't want to do it just to do it, that's why when you see kids, I get kids that come up to me like, man, I'm thinking about doing a show, when? Oh, in a few weeks, I'm like, that's not the way to do it, man, you got to dedicate six months to a year to do this, so... With that, like you have to be very selfish. And I just, over the past 10, 12 years, whether it's taking care of my parents, my family, building businesses, I wasn't able to give the time and the selfishness that requires to be as successful as I would want to be.
1: Yeah, You mentioned so many different things in a lot of chapters that I want to dive in on. But going back to the competing side of things, do you think that you getting that list from that coach scared you off to ever compete? Because was that, like the in your eyes, the norm of how you were? supports to step on stage i guess so
0: like i said at that time i mean you you obviously i was competing as a light heavy i was a buck 98 on stage maybe off season 220 like i said i never really got out of shape
1: hey watch we're talking about these weights fucking <coughs> all my, what I'm at. listen i'm not knocking it i was just thinking to
0: myself <laughs> i never pictured myself being 260 270 which is what they were telling me i had to get to in order to put on the size and be hmm. able to step on stage as a heavyweight or whatever i needed to such do such a to, shame and it wasn't that it scared me. It was just more so like I didn't want to go that extreme per se. And I didn't have the money, man. I, again, this, these are, you're talking ten fifteen thousand dollars $15,000 cycles, man. I don't, as a 22, 23-year-old kid, 24-year-old kid, I don't have that kind of money to spend on a protocol for a national show. That I'm going to stick to my yet. little, I remember I would sit there sometimes and if you got a speeding ticket that was $80, oh, fuck, man, that's a bottle of test. <laughs> that's, that's what you would think. Or if you lost money, you got it, or anything like that. You would yeah. literally, as you started to get into that game, you would think to yourself equals. Yeah. This equals to this. Yeah. You know, oh man. I, I could have got some.
1: Yeah. But I think that's such a shame <clears> because <throat> think of how many storylines are being lost because of coaches like that. Thankfully to your point and something you mentioned earlier, less is more is how I grew up and thankfully I was with Neil Hill from 19 years old and and again coming from Wales the ability to get really anything was acceptable accessible but he always had his foot on the brakes for us he was like we started after the juniors so 22 21 something like that and during that time period again that that list that you just mentioned mate even It was hundreds of dollars, not even if that. Oh, and yeah. I was like, man. So to your ten to your thousands of dollars on your list of 10, 15 things, it truly is crazy. I think so many people have fallen down the yeah. rabbit hole of getting into the sport with uh, a skewed vision of how, it, yeah. uh, of how you are going to achieve a pro card at 20-something years old. You take one or two things, you are going to fucking blow up. Yeah, absolutely. And then when you're adding in the kitchen sink and stuff, it's a shame because I feel like, obviously, you can't be the woulda, shoulda, coulda, but I think you've done okay for yourself. Yeah,
0: listen, (laughs) like I said, for me, I still consider myself to be a bodybuilder, even though I haven't competed in 10 plus years. I love the gym. I love to train. It's my second home. And to go back on that point, there are today some great coaches that do coach their Yes. coach their guys and their girls the right way. I, it just blows my mind, man, that it's become so, especially on social media like this, oh, I have to take all this, I take this. Like I see these young kids and I'm like, first off, you have no business touching that at your age. Are you going to compete? Is this something yeah. you're going to, this is a sacrifice you have to make. Once you go down that road, like you have to understand you're risking and sacrificing a lot. And they're just like, they think that the more they take, The more they gain. And so no man, that's not how it works. As you know so well, can talk about more than me because of how far you've gone. But it's in the kitchen, it's in the gym, it's in your sleep, it's in Mm -hmm. your lifestyle. But it's become glorified on social media. Like and like people always get mad at me because like, how come you don't talk about it? I'm not gonna glorify that. When people ask me, know what I say to them, I say, first off, I've never like I dude, I get people that come to me like, How could you say you're natural? I've never said I'm natural in my life. I'm like, find me one place I've ever said I'm natural. I'll give you ten grand. But I tell people, say, do things right. Talk to your doctor. Talk to a professional. Don't talk to some meathead at the gym. Don't talk to some meathead on social media. Don't listen to people. Do your research. Mm -hmm. That was the thing about me. Before I touched anything, I had a doctor that I talked to that was very intelligent when it came to that type of stuff. And I did my own research. And I understood what I was doing. But these kids are just like, they see something on a fucking Instagram. On TikTok. Yeah, I need to take that. It's, dude, you're fucking 19. You're a buck 30 buck 40 why don't you push yourself to your potential naturally and then if you want to get to that place
1: consider it but until then what are you doing man what are you doing yeah and but this kind of uh, this feeling you and I both have is one of the reasons why granted it's not this category it's more gym culture as why you've shifted into this role of becoming a maya it's like the gym dad <laughs> and it was I don't know when I first seen the videos quite some time ago and whether you meant for this to even happen, I want to hear all the story from the get go. But you now are looked at as, they said, the the authority of gym etiquette, and, and truly having now this again fear. There's this, hey, send a Joey You've become, if anything, the gym police, the gym dad, the guy that will call out anybody and everybody. If you are not conducting yourself with class, and also, again, there's a lot of people now that are just going to the gym for the first time and truly don't know the gym dynamic that you and I got brought up in. In fact, the gym dynamic that you and I got brought up in, there was not a freaking cell phone. We were half back to front, keep on clunking and banging. You earned your stripes and your respect by putting in the work. Getting in and getting out and turning up every single day. That's how I got my respect from all my peers and all the older, the old heads in the gym, the power lifters. Yeah. Now, obviously, you can get your respect, and it's all fake, from likes and comments, yeah. from a instantaneous kind of post, gratified. And people really don't care who is in the back, what they're doing. They are truly there to. G- Again, it's all likes and comments. And here comes Joey Swole. <laughs> And they're uh, so anti the throwing people under the bus, trying to make a mockery of people. And these videos have garnished and and gained hundreds of millions of views. Did you ever think that this would ever turn into what it is? No, no, I didn't. That was not my
0: intention. It still isn't my intention today. I had somebody. It's funny. Somebody left a comment this morning. I read when I woke up. It just popped up, and I get so many comments. But I try my best to reply to people. They give me their time. I want to give them my time. And he said, <clears throat> he was like, I did a video last night about how these two young women were upset about people asking them at the gym how many sets they have left. And I did a video response saying there is nothing wrong with politely asking somebody between sets how many sets they have left, especially at a commercial gym at a peak time. People have a schedule. Some people don't know all the machines. Some people have a plan. It doesn't matter what the case is. They pay the same gym membership as you to use that same shared space, shared equipment and everything. And so I posted that just letting these people know as well as for me, I ask people how many sets they have left all the time. If somebody asks me, I'm always like, Hey man, jump in, work in with me. That's how I was raised in the gym. That was the Mm -hmm. culture that I was raised in back home in Chicago. Anyways, this guy's, Oh, I would have left this video alone. I know you're just looking for, you need content to criticize. And I wrote back, I was like, man, I get people that send me hundreds of videos every day and tag me on hundreds of videos every day of this negative bullying call. I'm like, do you know what that does to me mentally to sit here all day and see that? son, I wish I never had to do another single video. Like the day that come, if the day comes where I don't ever have to do another video because people are acting right in the gym and treating people the way they should or revoir, man, I'll ride off into the sunset. Happy. I don't do this stuff because I want, like I said, the views or the attention, I'm glad that it does because it brings awareness. But I was just like thinking <laughs> of myself for this guy, man, you don't like, like I you, and you can ask Mark and our mutual friends. I sit there and I watch these videos sometimes and I share them with Mark, my buddy Goob and some other guys. Shout out to Goob. Yeah, Goob. <laughs> Goob. <laughs> but like I share like I send these videos to them sometimes and I'm like, I'm so dis, I'm so disheartened and sad when I'm and we have conversations about them. And it's so sad to see. When I first started doing the videos, it was beginning of 2022. And there was a young woman that was making fun of a gentleman in the background. She's a trainer fitness professional. She was doing some side lateral raises. And there was a gentleman in the background doing drag curls with dumbbells. And she made it a point in the video. He was in the background. She's filming herself. And she made a video to put how you can superimpose your face on a video and talk about it. And she pointed the guy like, what is this guy doing? I don't know either. so, So I just did a response. And I was like... Let me educate you. He's doing what's called the drag curl. This is a great exercise. If you have a lot of shoulder problems, it'll take stress off the delt, put it on the bicep. You can do them with a barbell. You can do it with a dumbbell, whatever the case may be, but it is a great exercise. Something I learned from Charles Glass, at Gold's gym. Uh, a Yeah, but what he's doing most of all is he's minding his own fucking business. And that video, I remember I posted it thinking, I was just fed up, man. I was like, yeah. I'm so sick of seeing this shit on social media and people doing this to people And all of a sudden, I remember I posted it, and I was actually talking to Mark. And I remember I checked it like an hour later, and it had a million views, man, right away. And I was like, and this is on TikTok. Yeah. Which, again, I never really utilized that platform much. I thought, and I still think it is a very toxic platform in that sense, which we'll talk more about over the podcast. And it just, that I did that video. And again, when you talk about being like the gym dad and gym police, I'm not trying to be gym police in terms of, I don't want people to fear me. If you ever watch my videos, like I never attack people. I never talk down to them. I don't speak to them on a level where I'm trying to belittle them. It's always, Hey, let me explain to you why what you're doing is not only hurting that person in the video, why you would never want that done to you and why that's keeping people out of the gym that see this and think this is gym culture. This is what I'm going to experience if I go to the gym. Exactly. And then I tell them do better or mind your own business. I'm not like I'm not sitting here trying to bash them. And I've spoke out several times. I know there's people, like the internet is going to internet. People are going to go and be mm. hateful. It's just, <clears throat> there's nothing you can do about that. But uh, what's really sad is a lot of these videos that I've done, they're really horrible things that people have done. You're filming people in locker rooms, no. uh, nude. Like they don't understand the consequences of all the videos I've done hundreds and hundreds of videos, five people have apologized and been accountable. Only five people have actually been like, you know what, I oh. fucked up. I'm yeah. sorry, I need to do better. The rest have blamed other people or tried to make themselves out to be victims or pointed fingers or gotten mad at me. <laughs> and we talked about this the other day. It's like, I try and tell these people, like, let's talk about the locker room stuff. If you film my mom or my dad in the locker room naked oh. and you post it, that do you, belief of, do you understand what happens to you or what I do there's people out there that will become violent mm. to you like there's consequences and stuff like that yeah there's also legal consequences where you can go to jail you could be fined you can you have to register <laughs> as a sex offender. If you cross the wrong person doing these types of things that you're doing because you want views and attention, don't be upset when somebody becomes physically violent. I'm a calm person, but anybody, you cross the wrong person out there. Absolutely.
1: They're going to hurt you. And that has happened. Yeah, absolutely. There's these guys who, I'm saying generalized guys, that have done these skits and pranks and stuff like that. They've been oh shot. Oh, God. They go into the hood and they do all these things. Listen, this is a different, you're coming out from suburbia into a different warland Parts of Chicago that you wouldn't even yeah. go down because you know the wrong. You're in the wrong place. Yeah, absolutely. And then you speak to the wrong person, man. You're just you're hijacked. You got everything taken off you. And that, sorry Joe, you, uh, to the that is exactly what you're talking about because I have seen through other videos situations that have occurred where it's fallen in the wrong into the wrong hands, and whether they've caught it or it's a prank is a prank, but there's people who have been shot. Yeah. And in your, in our case right now, we're talking about the gym c- culture. I don't know of any people who have had anything of that extremity, because obviously that's the top of the tree. But we know, and you have had these videos sh- sent to you where there's been repercussions after videos been posting where people have been jumped in the gym and, and whatnot. But sorry, got carry on, Joe We just put to say something. No, I was talking about
0: like the whole prank thing. Like I saw, I don't saw the video I saw a couple months ago of these kids pretending to pour gasoline. On this man's car like they were going to set it on fire and he stood out. He was going to shoot him.
1: What is wrong with people? Like
0: what? Dude, this is what I'm talking about. This is my problem with social media. And I don't say this in terms of trying to attack people. I say this because I want to help people and I really mean this. Society today is people, especially these young men and women, and I'll say women because I think women have it harder in this sense. They equate their self-worth, their self-love to their likes, their views, the attention they get on social media. No question. They could be in a house full of a loving family, great friends, people that adore them. But they're so concerned about that dopamine, about that rush, about that high, about that gratification they get from social media. That's how they see themselves as being somebody that has value. And don't get me wrong, I've fallen down that rabbit hole too where, listen, I put a post up and it gets a lot of engagement where I'm flexing or I'm in the gym. And people are like, man, you look, does it feel good? Yeah, it feels good. But you can't let yourself get lost in that where you're going to start doing things like these pranks or maybe starting to scale and cross the line of what your own morality is for yourself and what you know to be right and wrong as well as the golden rule. Treat others the way you want to be treated. But to do this at other people's expense to get those likes, to get those views, all oh, for what, man? So you could feel good for a couple hours until the next video goes viral and everybody forgets about you, yeah. and that person's life is destroyed, or that person doesn't ever want to go to the gym again. That's the thing I don't think they understand is just because it's a video on social media and it's not right in front of you in real life, that's real. Yeah. That happened. That's somebody's life, and you're hurting them. You're destroying something for them. You're taking something away from them, as well as the people watching. Like I said before, there's literally been thousands and thousands of people over the past two years that have been like this exact comment. This is exactly why I don't go to the gym. Wow. This video to think about that. It's right, crazy, yeah. After the pandemic, after COVID, after everything we just went through where the one thing everybody should be doing is trying to get healthy in the gym, doing mm-hmm. something to be healthier, be physically active and these fucking kids, these people, and I don't mean to say kids because theres I've covered adults too that should even know better. That's the thing. It's like a kid makes a mistake, he's a kid. You make a mistake, you learn You grow. We all did dumb shit as kids that we would beat our own asses for today. But, man, it's just like you're robbing people of the opportunity to better themselves in a community like the gym community that we love so much, we're so passionate about, and we're so protective of. And to me, it truly is a brother-sisterhood. And I just hate the idea that there's one person, like I said to people all the time, 90 90% of the gym are great people. They'll support you. They'll have your back. They know better. But it's that 1% that ruins it for everybody.
1: Have you ever seen a video that's being sent to you that's so appalling that you don't even want to post it?
0: Yep. A couple of weeks ago I had a... Because a couple
1: of things for me, it's a line in the sand. I would lose my shit if I seen something. For example, somebody picking on a disabled <clears throat> kid.
0: That's exactly so. A few weeks ago, I had a a video sent to me of a man mocking and making fun of a a gentleman that has special needs. I need to say this right because when I posted the video, I said he was special needs. And there was a lot of people that were like, don't say he is special needs. Say he has special needs to that community. I want to say this right because i coming from my heart, obviously, from a good place. It was a video of a man that has special needs. He was in the locker room changing and another man filmed him and posted it. And I thought to myself, I'm not going to post this video. Instead, what I did, I contacted the gym. They took care of it immediately. That person is gone. I did not want to post that to, one, further embarrass that young man that he was making fun of. And two, I don't think I could have made a video without getting enraged and acting in a way that I thought would maybe take away from the message a little bit. But it got the response it deserved by me simply doing a tweet or just posting the, a text. I remember that. You know, like, yeah, I was like, hey, I got a video today. And I've had other videos, like fights in the gym. Dude, like I've had, there's and there's been like three or four over the past couple months. A fight breaks out in the gym. The kids literally beating the hell out of each other. And everybody stands. And the first thing they do is take out Put their the phone, out. phone. Yeah. To record. Nobody. Listen, let me tell you something. I grew up in Chicago. I went to a gym. Shout out. Elston Lawrence used to be powerhouse, now it's export, but that gym was in a rough neighborhood. We almost we, there were times twice we almost got jumped at our car, robbed in the parking lot. It's a it's not a it's not the best neighborhood, but the gym was great, man. It was such a great community in that gym. I love that gym. I still go there when I go back to Chicago.
1: It's probably a haven along with everybody else's haven, right? Yeah,
0: but if that would have happened in that gym, the guys that are in that gym that are like, they would have never let that happen. They would no. have broken that shit up in seconds that does not fly in this gym and the fact that i've seen these videos with these kids and nobody steps in to do nothing oh. if i was there like my first inclination is somebody's going to bang their head on a weight they're going to be dead or something something really horrible is going to happen break it up or it do something witness. to stop but try to intervene and people just would rather film it to post on social media because they want to be the first to
1: post it to get all that attention it's come on man be human be
0: fucking human yeah.
1: The, the, it's got to be, as you said earlier, it's got to be difficult for you to be in the receiving end of these videos like come in and obviously <coughs> then you have to selectively think, I don't want to put this out there to further embarrass this person with the, the gentleman with the special needs. And then you've got other things where there's maybe there's a lack of context too. So you have to really decipher through the video and see, okay, what really is going on here and what lesson can be learned. So There's a lot of what people don't realize. Obviously, you and I have a mutual friend that Mark, shout out to Mark, that I guess you guys work with each other and share some videos and stuff. Me, Mark,
0: and Goob. You, Mark, and Goob. We have a a group text called The Great Crusade. Oh, where Goob will send his stuff to get ideas off us. I'll send my stuff, and it's all three of us kind of bounce ideas and. We'll do further investigation and check more into things. And uh, we also do a lot of stuff behind the scenes. Like we've helped a lot of people, done charitable work for people, bought people gym memberships Mm -hmm. that we don't obviously post about. But in certain cases, especially when we've gotten some stuff about like women that have had stalkers and gone through really bad, abusive situations in Mm -hmm. gyms to help them get to a gym that's safe. And we obviously we don't post that publicly, but we've helped them out on the back end. So, yeah, those are like my. Like we have, like our it's like our board,
1: <laughs> it's and like a, a FBI there, right? Yeah. All the fucking spidergrams, all <laughs> connecting to one another. But you mentioned Ubo's obviously got another. He's got his own social media pages. He, I was made aware of him through him exposing somebody that I wasn't fond fond of, and he just proved my point. Yeah. When this was some time back, but I came across yeah. him, and again, that guy does a lot of research, personal research. Again, it's, it's not like you guys. Monetizing, listen, there's things that you could potentially work off. Obviously, you've got now things that are going on through this, but a lot of people don't realize that you don't monetize of your views, yeah, and I think that's where. This is where it gets a little muddied water because for you and I were speaking yesterday. Straight away you said, no, I don't monetize. I make sure that none of this is monetized. This is all of my own personal time and this yeah. is a passion project for me and and something that, that <coughs> has truly fallen on your lap now. And where, like you said earlier, from your own words, it's, it's difficult for you to keep doing this because you see certain things. And, and I'm sure the bar keeps on getting lifted every single year where you get seen, sent more and more yeah. Very difficult things to, to see. And obviously with Goob with when he does his research, geez, you two together, I'm sure that uh, that WhatsApp group or whatever it is. Ah oh, my gosh. It's full of information and things that you truly have to decipher. Because listen, when you go after somebody, especially like in Goob's case, you really have to make sure you're getting your information correct. Because there's legalities that could follow, right? In in your regards, you're flipping the video, what is being seen. Yeah. And making sure people see the, there's a lesson to be learned from this, whether they see it or not. Which, is, as you said too, five people out of the hundreds of videos have apologized. But if there was any kind of anything that you want to say to anybody who's out there to create this throwing of the bus, throwing under the bus of, of, of fellow gym goers, what would you? What would the warning from Joey Swalby?
0: <laughs> I don't know if there'd be a warning, but I will touch on what you said. No more. Just treat people the way you want to be treated, man. Don't, like, the thing is, every video I've done, people know better, better than to do that. But like I said, people get so clouded by the idea of getting views and attention. And the other thing is, too, what drives me crazy about today's generation is everything needs to be filmed and posted on social media. Even, like, I've had situations where people have sent me videos where they're in the gym. There's a little conflict that arises in a shared space. You know, it's, it's going to happen. And they're like...
1: Oh my god! I can't believe
0: this person did to me. Did this to me? What they do? They told me to move from in front of the mirror because they were behind me on a machine, and they weren't very nice about it. And I'm just like, listen, you're an adult. Handle it like an adult. You don't need to take a video and post it to social media. Be an adult in an adult space that's shared, like the gym, and move on. But one thing, I, one thing I will say about Goob, he has a law degree. Like he Does is. He really? Yeah, he yeah. is one of the most intelligent people. And I always tell him, I say, you can't pull the wool over the eyes of the Gubini. Um, <laughs> the Goobini. He's, the uh, Grant Gubini. Yeah, he's he gets people that threaten to sue him all the time. And he's and he literally sends him his lawyer, like, all right, send me this stuff. And you know what's crazy? I've had, going back on what you said, like, I've had people be like, Joey, you better cut me a check from, you know, the, you getting paid off all these views. And I'm like... I don't monetize, like Instagram, Facebook, TikTok, I don't monetize those. I don't get paid off that. Uh, I just started YouTube a few months ago. I just started getting the Twitter, Twitter monetization like a week ago, right? I don't get paid off that. So, no, this isn't, I'm not getting, I'm not doing this to get paid off views, but, I've also had people, I've also had people like say they're going to sue me. I didn't give you permission to post that. It's like you posted it to the internet. Yeah, what about (laughs) the other
1: fucking person you didn't promote?
0: Okay, let me get this straight. (laughs) So you took a video of somebody without their permission. You posted on social media to shame them, to make fun of them for likes and attention. And you're upset with me because I responded to it, which is what the internet is for. Like Mm. TikTok and Instagram now, like they're literally built off. The platform is built off of stitching videos, duetting videos. Once you post that to the internet on a public page, that's a free game. It's Anybody can give their you. opinion. And again, man, and like I said, if you watch my videos, it's never I'm like I'm never like, fuck you, you piece of hey man, I get it. We're human. Let me explain to you why this hurts somebody. Let me explain to you why this hurts gym culture. Let me explain to you what the real gym etiquette would be, or whatever the case may be, do better. Yeah. I'm never attacking people, and they get so mad at me, man. And I've had some crazy threats
1: and stuff, but what are you going to do? Keep on doing what you're doing. You, you, again, I ain't going to say, the gym dad. You just sound like the <laughs> gym dad. Hey, let me sit down, son. Let me tell you why you messed up. But again, you don't go out there at the aggressive route. No, that's the difference between you and I. And I don't know, listen, I'm not privy to every filming session you've had, but I'd have to bite my tongue on certain things. Yeah. I'd be like, oh, my God. And you obviously having that Irish... Italian blood in you I'm sure that one is fighting the other just to truly you what you really want to say something in some cases yeah. but again you then become part of the the rolling on chain but through all this gym positive ignition you've got some incredible things that are coming down the pipeline through this platform <laughs> that you've created and from the horse's mouth tell me what you are now working on with all these gyms
0: yeah, yeah. we started. Selling, I guess you call it, merch, apparel, and stuff with this with the GPN logo, so that people could see this logo and feel like it was a a symbol, something that promoted not only promoted that culture, but. For example, if you're in the gym and you see somebody wearing a hat, a shirt, one of the MYOB shirts, you can go up to that person, start a conversation, know there's somebody maybe you could ask for a spot or somebody that you can count on to have your back in the gym or maybe that you're in a safe space. So we took that, me and Mark, and we created this idea, like how can we get gyms involved? right? Because ever since I started doing these videos, I've had gyms that have supported it in terms of putting up new policy, new rules, especially Mm -hmm. with the locker room stuff. I've had a lot of gym owners that have reposted my stuff with their own thoughts of this is this is exactly what gyms need and this is the culture of our gym. So we decided, like, how could we take that and create a network of gyms that are in that have that same ideology, that same passion to promote a a safe space for people to come. And also at the same time, like I said earlier, all those people outside the gym, That are leaving those comments of this is why I'll never go to a gym or I've never been to a gym before because this scares the shit out of me. Mm. To give them a way to know this gym is a place where you won't experience that. So we started, we did our first gym uh, a few weeks ago in Ohio. Shout out Revitalize. Congrats. Really good guys out there. So we're doing, we're creating these huge banners to hang in gyms on walls, from rafters, whatever. We did in the one gym, the two gyms we did in Ohio. There was one on the wall, one hanging from the rafters. So cool. And uh, that along with our law, our laws, our gym laws, our, our mission statement and stuff like that to help these gyms, like I said, promote that type of culture, that environment. And I want people to walk in that gym and see that. And I don't want them to think Joey Swole. I want them to think, like I said, this is a place where I can better myself, feel safe, know that I'll be supported. And that staff and management and the people there be committed to that.
1: You have eight commandments.
0: Eight commandments, yes. And uh, do you
1: mind if I read them out? Yeah,
0: absolutely, go for it. So
1: the eight commandments... I don't uh, have them memorized. Man. I, 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 I looked at them and I thought, <laughs> let me not ask. Number one, we are about positivity and positivity only. We have a zero tolerance policy for harassment, ridicule, or unwanted <clears throat> advancements. Number two, anyone and everyone who is recording and posted has given, I guess we should have seen, consent to do... Number three, this is a brother-sister in our uniqueness, we are all here for the same goal, to be better. Number four, we are there to lift and lift each other up. I like that. Yeah, Number five, no matter how good the lighting is, the locker room is there for others in there, then the cameras are off. Let me read that again. No matter how good the lighting is in there. Sorry, this is my dyslexic again. <laughs> no matter how good the lighting is in there, in the locker room. This is how I went wrong. I wrote this wrong. If there are others in there, then the cameras are off. Yes. We use proper, kind, encouraging etiquette when asking or offering advice, a spot or anything else. Number seven, no member should ever feel afraid to be themselves. You grunt. If you dance while doing cardio, then you dance. No judgment is allowed through our gym doors. Number eight, we mind our business. Yes, sir. The swore law. (laughs) <laughs> I like that, my friend. Thank you. You now have created that, and you're going nationwide with this. And I truly think, and I truly know, I'll say, this is truly needed. Absolutely. It, it, it truly is needed. There's been a massive, I think since post-COVID, people have come into gyms like fucking hooligans. There's been no etiquette. People have come in, maybe in the first, they've come in from... Not having any type of human contact for over a year and a half, two years, whatever it is, then all of a sudden they're in there with their boys, and using the gym as if it's a youth club, acting all kinds of f- foolishness, and then you've got people who are truly have seen the bricks that were put on them during COVID, and it's hey, I need to sort my health out. This has now been addressed where I got COVID and I mean that this is such a common story that I've heard through the doors here at my gym. It's like I felt I faced death and I realized in that moment that I really needed to take heed and get my health in check and start doing things and the gym was one of them things that I discovered for the first time through COVID, where they were going out and walking, whether they went and bought their first weight set and a lot of people had incredible transformations during this process. Again... I hear these testimonies coming through my door. What I've done here at my gym is create a mm-hmm. culture, a culture, meaning that you have people who are coming in at the 400 pounds, who are on their transformation training next to somebody like Nick Walker, who is going for the Mr. Olympia training next to somebody who is a UFC fighter training next to somebody that is a 70 year old granny. Not one of them people is better than one another. Everybody has their story. Everybody has their right to be in this gym. But also, they have the right to, to see the door out. I've seen people take advantage of their popularity. I've seen people take advantage of their fake, because it's fake, fame. Fame is what it is, right? Yeah. But to them, they think they're bigger than now. And I, as a gym owner, won't put up with it. I've actually told people who have millions of followers, listen, bro, you think I pay the bills in this fucking place. Yeah. You see me walking around like that? No. So who the hell are you? And I gave one person half the chance. He came back with a remark and said, nah, it's probably that's best you leave. There's the door. That was a VIP. No names mentioned. But when you allow people to be in a gym just based on their popularity, based on their Instagram followers, you allow a cancer to spread, especially if they're acting that certain way. And nobody has the right to do that. And obviously, as we also found there's issues with tripods and stuff like that, some of these people are coming in with tripods. That was size of a human. So times that by 20, you've got 20 basically full-size children all darted around the gym. And again, there's and you have issues with people who don't want to be on camera. You have people who are trying to be on camera. Listen, you have every variable because it's, oh, you're famous, let me get in the back and train. And then that guy who's got whatever amount of followers is like, hey, can you move? Again, so we've eliminated so... Many issues long before that I even seen any of what you're doing. So it's truly refreshing for a gym owner to see this this movement, and also have somebody like yourself who is pioneering with such passion. Now, this doesn't come from just from thin air. This really ties in with you and your brand because you have been and have worn different shoes and different hats. No pun intended. Yeah. You've been the athlete. You've been the influencer. <coughs> So you're truly speaking from experience. And, and that's what I want to touch on too. It's like you have been the influencer in the gym, around people. And obviously a different decade. It wasn't tripods and stuff like that when you and I were first in the gym yeah. training. But obviously t- take us back to Joey Swall in his peak. and I'm in my peak. What are you Joey talking about? Joey Swall in his... My first <laughs> peak. <laughs> the first peak. No, I, I want to talk about... Your days with shreds and the popularity where I knew Joyce. Mm. That, that, that's where really I'm getting at. It's obviously for me and you, we connected way back when or we knew of one another, but yeah. that was the era that I knew of you. So where you've gone come from there to where you are now has been an incredible ride, one of maturity, one of lessons learned, ups and downs, and, and all in between. And I think we should start... Way back when. Let's peel the onions. Back. <laughs>
0: Way back when. Sounds old, right? Yeah, I know. It's funny because people, and a kid came up to me yesterday here at Dragon's Lair. A kid yesterday came up to me and he was like, man, I've been following you for 10 years. And I'm just like, man, it's been that like, we're OGs we are, bro. in this game. I've been doing the whole social media thing since 2011. We were one of the first companies and first kind of group of athletes to pioneer social media marketing and kind of, set that blueprint, but man, it has been a, it has been a wild ride over the past 10, 12, 10, 11, 12 years. Very blessed man gained. I like to tell people I've gained a lot of perspective and wisdom and experience over the past 11, 12 years that have created the person I am today. And unfortunately some of that has been making mistakes and and falling and trusting the wrong people and getting fucked over in certain senses, but I wouldn't trade it, man. I'm very appreciative of everything I've gone through because it's helped me, like I said, to have the perspective I have today to try and put the message out there I put out there. But <clears throat> I still remember till this day, like my buddy telling me to download Instagram <laughs> and me being like, "This, I don't even understand this. Because <laughs> it's like everything is everything was cyclical when it came to... First you yeah. had MySpace, then there was Facebook, Twitter, and, and then all of a sudden there was Instagram and what was the one? Oh, Vine. Fa- Vine. Vine.
1: And there was Face. What was the one before that? was Snuffy. Oh, fuck. Myspace. I uh, can you?
0: Tinder. Myspace. Tinder.
1: See, we have... a God? Is that you? <laughs> just
0: want you to know Myspace existed. <laughs> <laughs> but... yes, It's just... I, I remember him being like, hey, man, download this Instagram. It's going to be big. And I'm like, what is it? He's, he posts these square photos. <laughs> and I was like, this makes no sense. I'm like, this is... And sure enough, that became the platform that we built everything on and became the most popular. But... And then until today you have, like I said, then TikTok became really popular Mm. and it's just going to keep going, man. And it's, I don't know, man, I got, I'm somebody, and I always say this, like I'm the anti-influencer. I use social media to build brands, but it's, man, I have such a problem with social media for what it's become and how it's been used as a negative tool and how it's just become at the same time, like I said before, like it consumes people. It's everything they want to be. Is, they, their whole identity is their social media. And their whole, like I said, self-worth, self-value is social media. I'm way off topic here. Sorry, bro. Uh, I can see <laughs> you
1: reminiscing into into a lot of... I go like that. I get into a deep rabbit hole. I start thinking about things. and it's, Oh, my gosh. I have. Because, listen, how many times do you really put back... You go back into... And put perspective on things of where you've come from. Do you do that often? Because listen, you've got a hell of a fucking story. We are mean. We are mean. Touched on that. We've talked about everything right now as recent, and we're going to go in and out. Welcome to a podcast for Flex Lewis. By the way, Joyce Wall. But when I go and think back of things, I think, geez, Louise. And I've said this many times in the podcast. But when I came to this country, I came here with this crazy confidence. That it was going to work out. Now I look back, I wouldn't tell anybody, advise anybody what the route I went. I was like this young kid who met one person. They told me, it's like, hey, you should come to marriage. Should I? Okay, what do I do? Let's go. On a plane, gun. (laughs) And I was going to make it work. (coughs) Obviously, you being born and raised here, mom and dad from the other side of the world, obviously Italian-Irish, but nonetheless, you've been able to create not only a personal brand that we all know as Joey Swalier, but you've also been able to create a lot of significant life changes for a lot of people. You've had brands that you've built up such as Shreds. That company was probably the, the, what was it, the first influencer-based marketing company that I I came across. And now it's the norm. You can't really have a company now unless it's really endorsed and promoted without influencer style. But you guys came out of the blocks and... Truly went from nothing to something, I feel, very fast. And it was yourself, Arvin, and another business partner. Excuse my ignorance my, my here, but I know that you guys, again, done one hell of a job, man. Tell us tell the story of how you set Shreds up.
0: So I met Arvin. He had the company Shreds, and he was doing fat burners, and he was doing more just wholesale. Social media marketing wasn't a thing yet. And uh, I just remember we started working together and I had Instagram. I had maybe two, three, 4,000 followers. I don't remember the number. And I remember I thought to myself, I'm going to take a picture of this bottle and I'm going to post it. And I'm going to tell people to message me for info if they want to buy. <laughs> and- That's- no, I'm not <laughs> doing Dude. And it was that post. I remember I posted that. And I remember I sold like 10 bottles off that post by people messaging me and all of a sudden a light bulb. No, it's, like a, it's like a switch flipped. And uh, we started to build on how to use social media to create traffic, to obviously create sales and generate leads and things like that. And then at the same time, it was like, how do you get more sales? You get more followers. So what can we do to get more followers? Okay, this is the niche you're trying to be in. Let's find pages that have that same niche or the different big bodybuilding pages on social media and try to work with them. And then it was like, if Joey's doing it and it's working, let's see if we can get other athletes to follow that same blueprint. And so we started recruiting athletes. Paige, Devin, all those great – Ainsley, all the great athletes we had from day one. And it just – don't get me wrong, there was, there's a lot of stuff in there. There's a lot of sleepless nights of me and Arvin working. Arvin especially, man. He was – when I tell you that guy doesn't sleep, he doesn't sleep, man. He is – I can – and people say this figuratively, but literally – we would be at a diner, a New York diner, living out on the East Coast, 2, 3 in the morning. We'd be sitting there for two hours ordering food. We wouldn't say more than three words to each other because we were working on our phones. We would get done, go back to we, – we all lived in the same building. We'd go back to the building, go to 7 a.m. I'd get, I get My phone would go off. It'd be, Arvin, hey, man, I got an idea for something. Mm-hmm. Okay, we're up, man. We didn't sleep for three years, four years. I don't think Arvin sleeps at all still. <laughs> But, yeah, it became something that we just, we watered, set the groundwork, and it just, it was a matter of, think about it. 20, we started The company really, we really got going in 2011. 2013, we had our first booth at the Olympia. 2014, or 2015, we had the biggest booth in Olympia history. For the, I think that was the year, the 50th anniversary, right?
1: Didn't you spend a million dollars in that booth?
0: Yeah, we spent them uh, on the Total Expo. I had a sixty-foot wall of myself, such which a, I didn't ask such for. Such an ego, Joey. No, I, listen, oh man. Oh my they, gosh, they, they look at that, this guy. They said they had a surprise for me, <laughs> and that was the surprise. <laughs> but I was that—that that was never me, man. I was—I remember, and I'll tell this story at that event at the 2015 Expo. We had a four-hour, four-hour line. The line was four hours long to get up on stage to meet all the athletes. And the expo, I think they closed it. I think they shut everything down at 5 o'clock. And everyone started leaving. So 5 o'clock, they started shutting everything down. flicking on the lights. So I think it was still 6, 6.30 came around. Everybody left, every athlete. I stayed. The lights were off. And I stayed to talk to everybody in line, to take photos with everybody. I didn't leave. And we had a dinner at a banquet hall that we were doing for the entire company. I was late. I should, me and Arvin showed up late because we stayed behind to talk to all the people that were in line. I'm telling you something like, you waited four hours to. M- I wouldn't wait five minutes to meet me. What are you doing? But I was always good with people. I loved being able, I always tried to give people good memories. I always tried to give them a smile, something more than just a photo, man. Who am I? Like, I want to leave those people with an impact. I want them to have a memory, be like, oh, I met Joey one time and he busted my balls or he ate. The best would be, I would always do. It's a gross to think about it, but. Back then, you had all these protein ice cream companies, so you yeah. have people in line that were eating this protein ice cream. And I always go, "Like, give me a bite!" And I'd give me oh, a damn. bite. Pre-COVID, I, yeah, I would feed people in line. I would just put on a show, man. I, yeah. I looked at it as being somewhat of an entertainer and trying to keep people happy. And I just hope, man, I've met thousands and thousands of people over the years, and I really hope when people look back and remember me, they have a, like I said, a smile on their face and a good memory.
1: Yeah, you've done. You guys done a great job. You think one thing that stands out for me was you're the first brand to interact with a consumer that i can remember to that magnitude there's always been booths at the olympia and i remember the first time i walked through the olympia doors i seen the massive muscle tech booth that was like my first experience i've only ever been to one olympia that i haven't competed at and that was my first ever olympia going as a fan it was the first it was the it was like two years before I ended up staying on stage, and of course, then it was game over. Then yeah. trying to walk around an expo, the champ is here. It was just trying to walk around an expo as a fan. I remember having that experience one time and one time only, inconspicuous. Nobody knew who I was. I was a kid with fucking calves and a funny accent. <laughs> Still, I'm a kid with calves and a funny accent. I'm not so much a kid anymore. But I remember walking around and just seeing this is the world that I am going to be a part of. This is what I want. This is what I hoped and dreamed my mother and father would be able to see because I left the world of rugby. Rugby was a path paved for me. And that came with to represent your country or whatever. I'd even represent your club, a big honor. But then to come to a foreign country and then chase a dream, was it's my dream. It's not anybody else's. Nobody else has paved that path. Yeah. And uh, I was going blindly. But to walk into Olympia and then see... This is the top of the top. This is our Super Bowl. And then to see all these other booths, of course, Shreds one around at that point in time. But all these booths, if you can remember, were all in contention with one another. And obviously, it escalated over the years to you becoming the biggest booth in, in, in history of the Olympia and having that four hour line. But when I started working the Olympias, one of the things that, that I pridefully done, just like yourself, is invest in my fans. I always tried my best to give an experience. It wasn't a quick handshake and a buy. Yeah. And you and I know these athletes, they might have <clears> won something. <throat> but again, once they've retired, they just have no following because there was zero memories tied to anything. Yeah. And with you and doing all these things and making people do press-ups and you want to earn your fourth door. I remember them too. Yeah. Let's get <laughs> some 20, 10 press-ups done. But that's the things that these fans remember. And these things then circle back when you do other things in life. But... Obviously, Shreds was a company that you guys took from a concept, these late nights stuff to, what was it that you ended up taking the company to, figurative-wise? What your evaluation?
0: Oh, I can't talk. Like, numbers? Yeah, what do you think? Oh, dude, it was up there.
1: Yeah. 100 million? Oh. Uh, or less? 50 million? I'm,
0: I'm not even going to guess. I would say 50 to 100. Yeah. But you have to understand, too, we weren't just Shreds. We had stakes in a lot of companies that nobody even knew. I don't know what I can say and can't say, so I'm trying to teeter the line. But we, just social media real estate, right? We owned so many fitness pages on Instagram, on Mm -hmm. social media that we used for other marketing, for shout outs, for other ways to, like I said, draw traffic and gain that viewership. (laughs) It was, like I said, a top, man. It was insane. It was insane what we built. It was so fast. It was only within a few-year period. And the cool thing was, and and this is something I tell a lot of people, is we had our competitors, people that were in our same market, that were coming in to see us for advice. So wild. And Arvin and I was coaching athletes, trying to teach kids how to post and get better contracts. Arvin and all of us, like, Arvin would sit down with the CEOs. I won't name names. No names mentioned, as you of say. Arvin would sit down with people from other companies that were direct Editors competitors and give, them, and give them advice and help them because that was, it was just, he loved it so much, man. He loved what he did and he loved the kind of the puzzle of figuring out algorithms and how to continue to improve and innovate. And like I said, there are, I will say with, 200% certainty there are companies today that are crushing it in this space that either took some part of what we did directly, had some influence or direct contact with Arvin, with us, mm-hmm. with any of us, and how they built their company and that's pretty cool to see, man, to know that we were we were one of the first companies that were approved by Facebook to do Facebook ad spend. Damn. We were one of the first ones. I remember that. And they were, I think, met with them in Texas. That, that's pretty cool, man. Look incredible. Back and say and say we were able to achieve that. And all these athletes today, all these kids today that are making money on social media. Do you know how it was back then? I remember we got so much hate at the beginning because, like, I'll tell you a story. I won't name the company, but... You can name whatever you want. Don't no, know, I, I, no, because <laughs> I don't want to bash people. No, yeah, good. I there was really so I won my first show. Right? I won my first show I ever did. I placed. my one enough to get some eyes on me. Did a couple of muscle and fitness magazines, which back then it was like, oh, you that was yeah. You do muscle and fitness, muscle mag reps. Yeah. That was the pinnacle. Ah yeah. oh, man, I got one hundred fifty dollars to do that. <laughs> I'm sure you got more, but so anyway. one seventy so five. I, I had a supplement company reach out to me that I loved, big company. Okay, we're doing a product shoot at a local gym in Chicago. We would love for you to be a part of it. So here's me thinking I could be a sponsored athlete. And this was like the dream, right? To oh, be yeah. a sponsored athlete. And we're emailing <clears throat> about the dates. I'm staying in great shape after the show. I'm so excited. And I, we're getting close. And I asked him several times, what's the compensation? What Do I get a salary? Do I get a, a contract? He's, oh, you know what? We'll give you $500 a month in free supplements and you could sell it to your friends to make money. I thought to myself, you want me to fucking hawk my friends to make money, but you want to use my image in your product catalog that you're going to send to every store all over the world. This is one of the biggest companies there is. And I'm like, no, man, not interested. No, thank you, man. I, And that was one of the things where I was like, man, fuck this industry and fuck that. Pardon my language, mom. But then I I fast forward a couple years later. This is great. That same guy. I'm at the Arnold Brazil, right? That same guy that I was talking to that wouldn't assign me walks in with a group of girls that were working with him. Five or six girls. I'm sitting there with Arvin. We're getting some food at the restaurant in the hotel. Every single girl came up to me to ask to take a photo with me. (laughs) And I remember standing up like, hey, I will call him John. Hey, John, good to see you, man. John, right? Yeah, Yeah. Yeah. and I was, and but I was very nice to him, and I wasn't vindictive or anything. But it was like we remember we got so much hate because we squashed that whole. You're gonna get if you're an athlete, you're getting five hundred dollars a month in supplements and no. I remember. Having a conversation with, we had a, a girl that worked for us, Ainsley. Hardcore Ainsley was her name. Hardcore She's Ainsley, awesome. yeah. Yeah,
1: yeah, I remember. Ainsley was the shit. She's, She's like one, one of the faces. Who and Pitch? Yeah,
0: she was awesome, and she still is. She is a hustler. You want to talk about a businesswoman mm-hmm. and a smart, independent, like strong, fucking, feminine woman? She was awesome. She was one of, she was one of the best people I've ever met, and that's in and just in life. But she was working for a supplement company already, and I was trying to recruit her. And I was like, hey, like, listen, come over. She's like, I'm getting $150 a month from Company X. Mm. And I was like, come (laughs) to me. You'll make six figures a year. So no, I won't. You're full of shit. And she did not believe me. But she got on the phone with Arvin, got on the phone with me. She did it. And sure enough, she was crushing it. She was one of the highest paid female people in the space. And all of our athletes did really well as long as they did what they were supposed to and put the work in. And we went from, we took that norm of paying athletes free supplements. So we got a lot of hate from a lot of companies because we were doing
1: that. That's I think that's one of the reasons why you had the tiger on your back, right? Because you were going against the grain. These yeah. guys and these companies that have been able to pay athletes the bare minimum based on the opportunity to be with X and the free publicity or whatever it was. Remember, I've had it spilled yeah. to me too. I never went with that. I never got jaded by that you then were able to take your company on. And I think that's one of the reasons why you had that big target on your back. I'm sure there was companies that got together to try and pull you down, and obviously that bubble burst. How hard was it to see that timeline where everything that you work for, and a lot of people were attacking you, even whether it was truth or not. To see this concept that you took, you were able to then change people's lives, create a business from nothing, then just fall.
0: Yeah, it was very hard. It was a tough couple, I would say, like an like a 18-month period. Because, again, it's like people were starting rumors, and once something gets posted, whether it's true or not, it's out there, and you could defend yourself to you're blue in the face, and people are still going to hear about it. And I've had people say things about me my entire career, and at this point, man, I'm just like, I, I love when people say stuff like, if you got a problem with me, text me. If you don't have my number... I shouldn't worry about what you think about me. But no, it was very hard because we built, we did, we built a movement. We built something that affected so many lives and uh, we built our shreds army and things like that. And it was like a family, man. It was a family. Unfortunately we had, uh, when I was a little bit older and maybe I should have taken better lead, but we had a lot of young kids that were, that's what they were, young kids. They got a lot of money real fast. They Do came dumb off as being arrogant. Yeah. And uh, just yeah. being kids. No different than some of these athletes today. And uh, it just became, and and there were some more things that played into it, but it became cool to hate on us on social media and some of our athletes. And people came at me, and I always tried to, there were certain things, certain lines they crossed, like my mom. Like there was a post that said my mom was battling cancer. And she was getting ready to go in for surgery. So I had a photo of me and my mom before she was about to have a lung removed. And uh, they put a meme up, too bad shreds doesn't cure cancer. And I remember when I saw that, I was like, I, thought to myself, I was being really cool. I was trying to stay level and calm. And I thought to myself, I'm going to find this person. Like, it's my fucking mom, dude. I'll kill you. And I, and I said some things. I remember there were some screenshots. I had people say some things about my mom. And I would say things back. Why don't you walk into traffic? Or I'm going to find you. Or just being a, a typical hot-headed Irish Italian kid, when you come at my mom. And they screenshot that. and would post that. And I'd be like, what would you do if somebody came at your mom and her cancer when right when she started fighting it? But it was tough, man, because you build this company and you think this is it, this is the end game. You're set for life, your parents are set for life. And then people just start making rumors and people can say what they want, man. People can say what they want until they're blue in their face. There's people out there still till today that say things and accuse me of things and say things about the company. And I'm just like, where the fuck are you getting this information from? It's like, one of the things that I see a lot of people have said is like, that it was a scam, that the products were fake. And I'm like, we were literally getting made in two factories, we were being manufactured in two factories, one on each side of the country, that produced some of the top supplements in the world. Do you really think these factories would allow you to put bullshit in their mm. product? Do you think they would really say, we're going to put fake products in products, or we're going to put fake ingredients in these yeah. products to sell them? No, man. Like, what? We're, like, And it's okay. I was taking these products. I was taking our protein, taking our BCAs. Do you think I was, even though, like I said, I, I wasn't, an owner. I wasn't on the board. I was promised things, but I was never, it never came through. Oh, wait. You weren't? No, no, I was Are not. Are you fucking serious? Yeah, I was not. So, wait, Joey.
1: What? <laughs> <laughs> I, I had no say. So, hold on a minute. So, in, so, in that so, sense. I want to talk about this, because I, I know what you kind can and can't talk about, but I, uh, listen, yeah, you just have to I, I'm going to say, I, I understand totally legalities. Listen, we've had a lot of people on this so far. Now. I will try to get truths. But when it comes to that, man, that's new for fucking me. I thought that you significantly were getting compensated for this the Shreds movement. Yes, through your yeah through through, through you being the athlete. Yeah. but you never had the uh, the ownership hooks.
0: No, I never was an owner. I was promi- like I said, long term. I was promised certain things, like when we sold and things like that. And I have no listen. I love Arvin like a brother, and I don't think you would have ever left me out to dry. If we would have sold and the company would have done what it was supposed to yeah. do, I would have been well taken care of. But yeah, I was told I would get equity stuff over over time and did that happen. But, you know, that, that's okay. Listen, I know the respect I got from Arvin and the other people at the company. It's a perfect example. There was a, we had a huge office in downtown New Jersey and there was a, a new kid that just got hired. And I'll tell you two stories. These are pretty cool. Just about the respect. We love stories, right? shall we? <laughs> there was a new kid that just got hired and we're sitting there in the at HQ and we're in the meeting room and we're going over stuff and... At that time, we were going to, I think I could say this, we were talking to people from Jennifer Lopez's camp okay. about possibly doing a line for her, Wow, a female line for her, and there were all kinds of things coming our way, and we're sitting there at the the table, and one of the kids makes a comment like, new kid, no fucking clue who this kid is. He says something like, if, if Jennifer, if J-Lo doesn't do it, we could always get Joey to be the new female face, and... Arvin stood up, made everybody leave the room, but this kid and me, sat him down. He said, you know that fucking desk you work at? Joey paid for that. You know that fucking, that, that break room that you eat your fucking lunch in? Joey paid for that with his fucking work over the past five, six, seven years. Or who the fuck are you? Wow. And he always had my back like that. And another story. <laughs> we had a kid that drove up from Alabama, I remember. It's actually a pretty cool story. We had a kid that drove up, this kid Mikey. Good kid, man. I used to call him Buffalo. Huge kid. Drove up from Alabama, wanted to work for us. Drove up to New York, slept outside the office just to get a meeting with us. And he walked in for his interview. And uh, there's more to this, but he walked in for his interview. And our thing at Trez is we didn't read resumes. We ripped up your resume. Who gives a fuck? What, you know? Where you've gone to school or what you've done. All we care about is if you want to work hard and you want to innovate. And if you're passionate about what you do. And uh, I was like, all right, you know what your job interview is? You and Joey go train. So I'm like, fuck it, let's go. Shut up. So we went to the gym to train, and uh, this is a cool story. He ended up working for us, did a great job for us, managed a lot of stuff. Mikey, Mike Krausen, good kid, man. He was, I called him the Buffalo. He was fucking huge. <laughs> Such a big southern Alabama boy. And uh, so we went to train. That was probably, man, 2013, 2014, right? Fast forward, me and him are still friends come like 2018, 2019, 2017, 2018. And we go train. We go to work out, and he said, Joe, you know what I love about you? He pulls up a photo from the first time we trained that one day when I took him to the gym. He's like, you got the same fucking sweatpants on and the same beat up <laughs> shoes that you had on. You've made, I've done well financially. He's like, you never bought cars. You never spent it on fucking dumb shit. You took care of your parents. You bought your parents' cars. Paid for, house, paid for rent for your mom. And you're still wearing the same beat up old shoes and sweatpants that you wore four or five years ago when mm-hmm. I first met you because I was never that's one thing about me is and I think that came with when I started when I was a little bit older when Shreds was starting so I was good with my I was a save your money kind of guy I was yeah. never a go out and buy a Porsche or Lambo or
1: wait Joey Fancy Junior why well, because a lot of your team is up buying Lambos and GTIs yeah which is fine listen if that's what you're into by all means do what you gotta do but just no
0: interest I like people till this day people ask what's your dream car I'm like I never had a dream car I always, cars to me were getting from A to B. Like my dad had a beat up truck. I didn't, you know what I always tell people? I hate when you hear people say I came from nothing mm-hmm. just because they were poor. Listen, we didn't have money. I had a mom and a dad. that got married the day after my mom turned 18. Had four kids. My dad was a truck driver. My mom was a waitress. How they made things work. We moved a lot. We definitely had some money problems, but how they made things work I will never understand. Like, they went through, like, you want to talk about people today that break up over dumb shit, like a like on Instagram or some stupid text? Try being parents to four kids with no money. Try to put food on the table. And I'm sure you could relate to some of this, too. And that just blows my mind. But I hate when people say, back to what I was saying, I always tell people I didn't come from much financially or as far as substance when it came to like physical objects and stuff or the nice house. And I came from? came from a great family that taught me love respect kindness work ethic Mm -hmm. compassion not to judge people by the color of their skin or any of their things that you know society tries to separate us by i'll tell you a story man about my mom (laughs) i know we love stories but i love stories this is my story about racism and about race and why i love my mom so much i was playing baseball this gets me sometimes i was playing baseball when i was Maybe twelve, thirteen, right? And I'm playing on a traveling baseball team. We're at an all-star game at this, what's called Horner Park in Chicago. It's the worst field in the city. It is beat up, broken down. It is horrible. But the best teams go to this tournament because it is the best tournament with the best teams. It's been there. It's a tradition. And we go, and we're a prim- primarily white team and we're playing Horner Park which is primarily Latino and black so there's some John between the parents my mom never sat with the parents she's a very pale skinned Irish woman so she's sitting down the left line under a tree in the shade and I always knew where she was because she was always the loudest supporter and loudest she would cheer so loud for me man to this day I'm in I play center field ball gets hit in the gap black kids up to batty balls hit in the gap He's rounding second base. There's a hole in the field because the fields aren't kept. These are terrible fields. He snaps and breaks his ankle. I throw the ball into my cousin Dominic. This kid screams as loudest. And the whole everything stopped. The whole place stopped. Silent. And all you hear is this kid screaming. Not one parent, black or white, went out there to help that kid. All of a sudden, <laughs> from left field, coming down into the field is this little red-headed Irish woman, runs out there, helps the kid up, carries him off the field. And she sat with him on the sideline, got up a snow cone, some ice, called an ambulance for him. You had all these parents that are yelling, jawing at each other, race, hate. But when it came down to it, to help somebody, nobody did a fucking thing but my mom. And she went out there and she helped them. And to me, that's that is my lesson on how I treat people and how I look at people. And that's why she's my hero. Her and my dad. <sighs> Thanks. You <laughs> You made me cry on your got me going too, Joe.
1: You got any tissues you had? Players? No. <sighs> oh
0: man. You got me good. I feel like Cuba Gooding Jr. on on what's it called? What's the movie with Tom Cruise where he's the NFL receiver?
1: Where is it? Joe Altice. What's the movie with Cuba Gooding
0: Jr.? You You're talking about and Show me, me the Money? Yeah, yeah. Kelly yeah. Preston, Tom Cruise. Where he's, I'm not gonna cry. <laughs> I'm not gonna
1: cry. <laughs> How's <laughs> your crying?
0: Oh man, where he's an agent. What's the movie? What is that movie called?
1: Jerry, Jerry Maguire <laughs> I, I,
0: never I it. I'm the biggest movie buff, and I can't believe I didn't remember that. But <laughs> okay. I felt that like You're in like the, kind of the show where he's like, they try to talk about his family. He's like, I'm not going to cry. <laughs> they give him his contract, and he starts crying. Oh, man. But that, man, that things like that, man, that's why I'm so proud of where I came from. My mom, and not just my immediate family, my brothers, my sisters, who I love more than anything. I'm the baby of a six family of six, but in my family, man, your cousins are your big brothers. Your aunts are your second moms. We all lived in a little neighborhood in Chicago of firemen and cops and criminals, little Irish Italian neighborhood, and... We were together all the time, but that's the stuff that my parents taught me. I that's why I look at a lot of people today, and I'm just like, didn't your parents teach you better? Didn't your parents like think you There's no way you went through life without getting a lesson from your mom and dad that you should know better than to treat somebody that way. But yeah, man, that was that's one. Of my, I have a lot of great stories about my mom,
1: and that was one of them. Dude, a, <laughs> Give me another one, Joey. I love the mom stories. I'll if if it's not you saying it, I'm going to say mine. <laughs> So, my funny, I had a football coach call me the other day,
0: old football coach from college, Coach Tinsley, Eric Tinsley, great guy. He coached me for two years. And uh, I, dude, I haven't talked to this guy in years and years. I get a Facebook call. You can call people on Facebook. I didn't know that. And uh, he calls me. And I'm like, I answer my like, Coach Tinsley? I'm like, dude, just call me on my real phone. So I give him my number and he calls me. We're just going over old times. He's like, how's your mom doing? He's, and I'm like, oh, my God, both my parents are doing great. He's like, I don't mean this in a disrespectful way. He's like, I don't remember your dad very much because he was so quiet. My dad is. My dad's a very introverted, quiet person. Very quiet. Sounds like Dan- pa- He's a dangerous man, but he's very quiet. Oh. My mom was very much like me. She can hang out with anybody, loves to be social. She is the life of the party type person. And my coach, every coach I ever had. Like, they and he was just asking how she was because he remembered her from the stands being such a loud supporter for me. I remember, this is the last story I'll tell him. I could talk about my mom all day. But I remember Pop Warner, playing Pop Warner football, eighth, sixth, seventh, eighth grade. I'm sure you know this from rugby. If you fall on top of the ball, it gets you in the stomach. You get the wind knocked out of you. And you're like, you can't breathe for a couple minutes. So I remember I'm literally in the middle of the field, (laughs) the middle of the field. And I, I must have taken a hand off or something, got hit, and I landed on the ball, knocked the wind out of me so I couldn't get up. And I'm sitting there laying in the field like the, the trainer comes out, George Klein, a great man. And before he could get to me, my mom was there. And I remember him coming up on the field, Mar- Marge, you can't be out here. She's like, not give the fuck, this is my son. She ran on the field <laughs> under the ropes <laughs> through everybody. There was yeah. nobody stopping her. And she was out there checking on me. And that's just how she is, man. That's how she's always been and how she is. Till this day, she's my number one supporter. Her and my dad are my number one supporters. I. That's why I always. It's funny whenever I'm in somebody else's video or somebody wants me to take a video for their social media. No matter who it is, I'll always say hi, mom, because I know somehow, some way, she's gonna find it, uh-huh. and she's gonna. <laughs> if I curse in a video, oh, she comes at me, man. Yeah. You, dude, there's kids following you, or do the best as I was a bodybuilder, so. Sometimes you post photos in shorts or boxer briefs and you're, you can see your noodle. You can, you what, see you noodle? what are you doing? <laughs> you, you don't post that stuff. You come on <laughs> or anything sexual or anything yeah. of that. You represent this family name and she's always been such a stickler on me and I'm very grateful for it. Yeah. She's always been very tough on me. Her and, her and my father, like I said, he is, my father is my favorite man in the world. He's the greatest man in the world to me and my mom is, they're
1: both my heroes. What was it like for you to get your parents that car and pay off the house? And I've now got some tissues next to you, Joey. Mm-hmm. <laughs> <laughs> they're, they're not top of the line, but well, the house.
0: So yeah, the plan is i want to buy my parents a condo this year. I haven't bought them a house yet. Help my sister pay off her house. My parents. That's what I I'm meant. Just, so, I, yeah. I just I take I, I, every month. I take care of their rent and stuff like that. And I've been helping them out for years, as you should, as a son. I'm not saying that for any type of, Joey, good for you. No, dude, that's what you fucking do. You take mm-hmm. care of your parents, period. I don't care what it takes. And that's, again, something that came from our family. Watching my mom and dad take care of their parents. And I've seen, I saw my mom work two jobs and still take care of my 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 nana, her mom, my grandmother, and her father when they were sick and on their last days. But how does it feel? It's the fucking best. Listen, man, I like I said, I look at money not in terms of, oh, I could do cool shit, buy myself a car. I look at money as, like, cool stuff. I want the day to come where I walk into my parents' house at 3 a.m. with a suitcase with $2 million in it. 3
1: a.m., Joey? In what the hell? Oh, this
0: is my plan. I want to walk in their house. <laughs> I want to walk at their place in Chicago at, like, 2, 3 a.m. Yeah. Just bash through the door, fucking r- break the TV, ruin everything, just to be a goof, and then throw a suitcase <laughs> on the table at $2 million. No, that's a joke, but I always yeah. would, bust their, I would always bust their chops and say that. But it, it feels amazing, man. Like I said... Yeah. I would not be where I am today without a number of people in my life, like my whole family, my mm-hmm. coaches, my teachers. I've had great football coaches in my life that have really impacted me, but I wouldn't be where I'm at without my parents. Dude, this is the thing that this drives me crazy. This is something I can't stand today. And this is drive me crazy, but I love to speak on it. And you get this. People come up to you. Oh man, you're my idol. I'm such a big fan. You're my hero. And I always tell him, said, no, no, first off, I don't want to, Fan I don't like that word you want to say you're a follower That's fine you want to say you're a friend Even better but when you say you're a fan Of somebody it's like you put them up here And you're down here Mm. I'm not an idol I'm not your idol I'm not your hero If you are lucky enough to have your parents In your life and there's a good relationship They should be your idols and your heroes If you're a God fearing man or woman That is somebody you put up there You and me are here We're equals Maybe I inspire you you want to emulate things I do Great but guess what you're going to, whatever level you think I'm on, like you have the opportunity to reach that. You'll never be your parents to you. You know what I mean? Mm -hmm. You'll never be where you see God in your life. If you, like I said, are a God-fearing man or woman. And you should never get to a place where you lose that level of, how do I say it? Your parents being above you in terms of how you view them with respect, with love, Mm -hmm. with admiration. So I always try to, I always say that to people when I meet them. I always say, don't be a fan, be a friend.
1: I'll that attest a- to that because yesterday when we were training, I think I overheard you say in the exact same sentence. I think somebody came over and said, and we've also had some side conversation about what it is to us to have the importance of having a platform. Yeah. And whether you knew this or not, I fucking asked you. I knew, I looked around, there was no cameras or anything else. You answered it exactly how I wanted it to be answered, thinking it was going to be answered as such. You told me, Exactly how I view my platform, just through your own words. And that is, it's a responsibility. Yes, You have, in my eyes, you have a duty with whatever you want to call it, fame, the platform, the followers, to to become the best version and show the best version yourself. Not meaning, hey, look what I've got. Hey, and I think that's what social media has become... Yeah. For a lot of people, it's a window to show and flex and show, hey, look what I got and you don't. I don't give a fuck. You know what I mean? It's like the... And there's a a way to do that where you can say it in a way that
0: isn't arrogant of, I'm better than you, but this is what you can achieve. Yes. But I've said it for so long, man. People use... When did it become, I'm better than you because I have more followers than you? When did that become a thing? Like, how does having followers equate to you having a good heart a good soul doing acts of kindness being somebody that simply is a good human being and that's something i always say is i am very blessed and grateful to have a very large following i will never look at that as being me better than anybody and like you said i always tell people having followers especially there's so many kids out there that i want to be famous on social media one day listen man fame isn't real fame isn't real especially on social media being a good person is real. Fame fame isn't fucking shit. Mm. It's a privilege. It's a blessing. But it's responsibility. And, dude, especially in this sport, right, something, the other day I did a seminar with Sean Ray, and everyone was there to see me, and there are people who didn't know who Sean Ray was. And I'm like, that is fucking bullshit. In this sport, I didn't win Olympias. I didn't compete at national levels. Do I have a voice? Yeah, and I try to use that for good, but...
1: I'll tell you another story. <laughs> I'll tell you another good story. This- get comfy. Tie us. we right in for a couple more. T- <laughs> you see? And there's one more. <laughs> ten more go. Listen, we're
0: yeah, here. We're, sort of we, t- we are. There is no said, time limit. You said seven hours. So we're I to said- be- When Shreds really started to get popular and we had Paige, Devin, mm-hmm. Nate, we had a, a ton of great athletes. I took them all the golds. So we went to the LA Fit Expo. So we had everybody flat to California. Me and Arvin, We took them to the LA Fit Expo. They had never been to Gold's Venice before. So I was like, we're going to go to Gold's. We're going to train at Gold's, the Mecca. You have to train at Gold's. It's the number one experience if you're in, Bi- you have to go there once in your life. So we walk in. I've been training there for years. I know a lot of people. Got What's something on my mouth? face? No.
1: It <laughs> I was thought me. you were signaling to me. Oh, you? Well, <laughs> at <laughs> at I <feet>. thought <laughs> I was getting. Thought you were looking like I, had something <laughs> like I was, <laughs> for every on Spotify that's listening, I was just... <laughs> wiping my mouth and Joey and I was like I've got some in my mouth <laughs> I thought
0: you were signaling me I got something on my face get back in that uh, story Joey anyway so I take all the athletes to Gold's I walk in I know the front I've been going there for years I was I lived there for a number of years training there yeah. see Charles Glass Charles comes up gives me Oh Joey how you doing oh, Charles what's going on how you doing good to see you sir I go to the group of athletes I say you guys know who that is right it's Charles Glass they're like no I oh said get the fuck out of here everyone go in the fucking parking lot you research your Charles Glasses, then you can come back in. Come on. Yeah. But, again, you got to think they're 20-year-old kids, 21-year-old kids. No but still, this is what kind of drives me crazy about this sport is the kids today that have the arrogance to think that they're here without acknowledging or respecting the great bodybuilders that built this. Save the path. If you don't know the, the – you can go back to the 50s and 60s, but if you don't know the people – over the past 20, 30, 40 years if, and more, these great men and women that built this sport and you think you're just here by chance or you feel like you're better than them, then fuck you, man. Do your homework. Know who Flex Wheeler is. Know who Kevin LaVronie is, Sean Ray, Lee Priest. Know Reeves. No know, know these greats that really put this sport on the map. And these kids, they think they have followers and... That they're better than people and they don't, it's, listen, you don't have to compete, but don't think that for a second that your contribution to this sport is going to be greater than the guys that compete, the men
1: and women who do compete. Because a Uh, lot of them guys done it before there was any type of press. Yeah. Magazines were the only thing. Exactly. And you had to move from all over the world just to go to Santa Monica to hope that your physique was good enough to make a magazine.
0: Samir Banute walked into Golds a few years ago while I was there. And got into a fight with the front desk. They wouldn't give him a bag for a shirt that he bought and paid for. Meanwhile, he's on, on the, the wall. 1983, Mr. Olympia. He's on the wall. This is one of the greats. Lebanese lion. And he he was in town for his induction into the Hall of Fame. Oh my I remember God. that. I remember just thinking it's to myself. Scandalous. Wow. Just wow. And again, listen, I, and again, I'm not trying to take away. I think there are some really good young Men and women in the sport that are have a good head on their shoulders. We talked about it yesterday with you, with that one young gentleman that you've helped and coached.
1: Rafael Brando, yeah, Nick Cardone,
0: Diet good Dom. Card- Cardone's great man. I love watching his stuff. Yeah, good. Guy. I love Dom, man. I remember when he first came out with those wheels, man. <sighs> I love Cardone's great man. He's somebody like he's just a no bullshit guy. He's a, he's I right, listen. He is New York through and through. Uh, he is no bullshit. He knows his stuff. You know what I love about him, and is this stigma? And we talked about this a little bit, like the stigma of. If you are a bodybuilder, you're stupid. You don't know what you're talking about. Let me tell you something. I f- fucking love These successful people in this sport, especially coaches, they're they're the next thing down from a doctor when it comes to certain things as far as their knowledge about the anatomy, the science, whether it's what you eat or what you put in your body, not to mention the physiology of the training and everything. These guys are some of the smartest people you ever meet. And Dom's one of them, man. Like I said, he is, he's I, I enjoy listening to him, man. He's, a, he's somebody, if I was going to... If I was a young kid and I was going to compete, he would be somebody I would consider to be a coach. Somebody Oof, to
1: go to. What, a, what a referral, Tyus, huh? <laughs> Listen, I could say that, but I'm biased. I've known Dom yeah. since he was 15 years yeah, old. Exactly. I remember Dom when he had a supplement store in Brooklyn. And I, him and his dad had a supplement store and they were both hustling hard, trying to make it work. And Dom got signed with Gasparri at a very young age I as remember. a teen, as yeah. he won the team. And he went on to have a fantastic career, obviously reached the crossroads. And he's obviously, he's been on the podcast too. He told his story and what a story too of basically he lost his mum. He had that house fire, lost all the footage and photos of his mum, and had to start from scratch again. And again, one thing about Dom, all that stuff he's gone through genuinely has not affected his outlook on life. Yeah. He may have surrounded himself with the wrong people because of circumstances, looking for a brotherhood or looking for whatever. But where I found myself years later, back with Dom, was a weird circumstance. And I'll quickly tell you a story. I was moving out here. Not many, but the circle of circles knew about me coming out here. I get this random text from Dom. He says, hey, can I hit you up? Can Can I call you? Of course, I say, he's like a little brother to me. Obviously, we became closer, but... He jumps on a call. We're talking. I said, he said, hey, Flex. Tom. He's so polite and such a nice yeah. guy. Beating around the bush. Good parents. <clears throat> yeah. Good
0: when you have good parents. Yeah,
1: exactly. Beating around the bush. Hey, do you mind if I come out to Florida? I know what you're doing at the Dragon's Lab because I had the private gym yeah. and, and I had select athletes that I brought in for camp for me. The, these guys, I looked at it like fighting. I brought the best people in to be around mentally, physically. So I was selectively bringing people in. I want to come out to be around you and them guys. look at that she was a text message text message i said hey dom you free later i spoke to my wife i said hey she knows what i love dom tell him you sure tell him yeah so i jumped the call i said hey dom i'm moving to las vegas you gotta be kidding me i said don't think of moving i'm coming here when i move here we'll build the gym we'll train together for the olympia you get back on that at that stage and in the process obviously you guys know what's listening and obviously yourself Never ended up getting back on that Olympia stage. But, be, but me and Dom both found themselves in a situation where we were trying to get on stage for the wrong reasons. And through our brotherhood and through other various different things that were going on, we found different passions. And I feel he tremendously, whether he's listening to this or not, bro, I fucking miss you daily. I seen him last week. Good guy. When you have guys like that around you, it's hard to find. So, fucking hell, Tyus. Fucking Joey corrected this bullshit, no? (laughs) But anyways, so I seen him last... Dom, you made Flex cry. He's a good dude. He is a good dude. Yeah, he's a good dude. And when you got good people around you, and you invest in people... Exactly. And then you get to see the best version of them coming through, and then he fucking needs me. (laughs) No, but he's gone on. What I found about Dom was... He rediscovered a passion for MMA. Oh. And he changed his whole physique. So imagine just like me, I built myself up, all these years. I'm not crying, by the way. I just got shit in my eyes. He is crying. No, I'm not. That's okay. It's okay. So he rediscovered a passion, which, shout out to guys like Eric Nixick, who On, Extreme and Couture, they brought him in. He's the cliche bodybuilder. He said, I'm not the cliche, body. he worked his ass off to get that weight off. And now he's in the, He's training in the, around the American Top Team, around some of the best athletes. So that's his new drive. His goal is to get in, into a cage.
0: Good for him, man. That's awesome.
1: His daily day is driven by that. And of course, you know, what he's doing, to your point as a coach, so proud of him. I look at him as probably one of the best coaches in the game for the reasons that we started off this podcast. Yeah. Health is wealth.
0: Protocol, yeah, and everything.
1: He makes sure that every one of his athletes get full blood work. He won't even touch people if, if they don't get the blood work and you and don't see what he needs to see. Because, it's, again, he's in this for the right reasons, yeah. not just for that little oh, most, 84 wins.
0: Yeah, most coaches would just take a paycheck and take a, yep. take a notch on the belt where he cares about that person's actual, like them sustaining a good life. Yeah.
1: Yeah, that's great. So them young guys that I, I, we were talking about and picking up what you said that you have invested in. The young guys that you've seen and helped through. He was one of them guys for me. Obviously, Dallas, RIP, was another one. And Rafael Brando. I still got some really good people around me, but they seem like they're all the same age. 28, 29, 30. And there's you and I, who have just turned 40. Congratulations, no. as the one that's gone over the hill already. I'm coming up in, in November.
0: Listen, man, you know, I we lost two years to COVID, so I think, oh, I, I think we Joey should get, Listen, I think we should get, I think we should get a mulligan. I think we should all get two years. So I'm okay saying 37, yeah. 38 for a couple of years, <laughs> and, and not feeling bad about it. Um, yeah, I think we all deserve
1: that. I remember what I was going to say. With yourself being so open and honest on social media, you were talking about showing the best sides and then people showing whatever else you've done a great job joey of showing a side that a lot of people want especially when you were going through your addiction i remember waking up one day and seeing a post i messaged you on, it. and it was a photo of a bed that was absolutely soaked which kind of was like what the hell is this it wasn't something that would normally get posted on instagram let alone see something from yourself because we are all used to Posting a consistency of style and looks and whatever else. And that was so odd. And it was a figure of a soaked bed. And underneath that was... Basically, you just being open and honest and talking about what you've gone through and what you were battling. And for you to get to that point And say, this is me. This is what I've gone through. And this is what I'm going through right now. <clears throat> Obviously, it must have been tough, no question. And you were battling, I'm sure, in silence. It's probably not from what I remember you saying. There was a lot of, lot, not a lot of people that knew that you were going through this, and you put the brave smile on, and you doing the Joey Swole. What point did you say you hit the brakes and said, man, I've got a problem here?
0: So COVID, I was living in L.A., had a beautiful penthouse in L.A. Me and the girl I was dating broke up. She moved out. She was down and she had moved down with my dogs to, I took got her place in Costa Mesa, big ba- big backyard. And uh, I just, being alone in that apartment, shut off from the world, I think that's something that Jim really does for me outside of obviously the physical part of it, the emotional, the mental, the spiritual. I need to be around people. I need to have the energy of people. I didn't have that during COVID, couldn't see my family, couldn't be there to celebrate my mom's being cancer free when she was five years in remission was going through a lot of battles business-wise, personal relationships. And uh, I got to a point, I remember it was, there was a night I was sitting at my, at my place completely by myself. And I was just like, fuck it, man. What's the point? I'm done. I've had a great life. I'm sick of this. I'm sick of feeling like I give and I give. And there's Nobody there for me when I need them. A lot of people turned their backs on me. A lot of people had put knives in my back. And I was just tired. So I remember I put a post up that night saying, hey, if I ever die young, just know I lived a great life. Don't mourn me. Celebrate my life. And I wrote this long, basically suicide note. And I posted it. And I think I had like maybe 14 or 15 Vicodin left in the bottle. I took everyone. Sat down on the couch, had a beer in my hand, and I took every pill I had. And my phone rings, and it's my mom. Crying. What's wrong? Something's wrong. I just saw your post. Mom, I'm fine. It's just a post. Don't worry about it. I don't mean anything by it. No, I know something's wrong. You're not yourself. You're going through a lot. She had no idea what I was going through as far as the drugs and stuff, but something's wrong, something's, talk to me. I'm like, no, mom, I'm okay, I'm okay, I promise, I'm okay. I settled her down and I got off the phone with her. I remember just sitting there thinking, I I don't want to die. And I remember just sitting there thinking, fuck, me. what if I don't wake up? I just took a fucking whole bottle of pills. Thank God. I said, I prayed, I definitely prayed. I did wake up the next day, thank God, and decided to, that was pretty much me saying, I have a fucking problem here. I need to do something about it. Got out of L.A. because it was so toxic for me. Everything was shut down, man. So I moved down to Newport Beach, Orange County, Costa Mesa area. Everything was open. Right? People, I remember you drove the streets of L.A. at that time. Or, like, you would be just to even go to try and get food at the grocery store. Like it was, the streets were dead, man. There was nobody out. There was no energy. It was The vibe was so negative. The energy was so just toxic and it definitely affected me amongst a lot of other things i remember driving down to orange county to look at a house to move down there to be closer to my dogs to my ex and try my best to maybe try to save that i remember seeing families outside walking their kids people waving american flags flying and i was i I remember i looked at a house the house wasn't even done yet and they were putting it up for rent and I, i literally walked in the front door and the guy's trying to show it to me. I'm like, I'll take it. He's like, what? I'm like, I'll take it. When can I move in? He's like, Yeah. Two weeks later, I was in that house. I remember the next, like, the next few days, I had to keep messaging them, being like, Take this off the site. It's not for rent anymore. <laughs> I'm taking yeah. it. I need to get out of L.A. And I got down to Orange County. At that point, I decided I needed a break from social media, and I was I'd already been taking somewhat of a break. From everything, and I needed a mental... Just shut the engines off and take a break from all that. Because I've been doing it for 10, 11 years, nonstop.
1: Yeah, it's tough.
0: And uh, I decided to get clean. And uh, took the steps necessary for that. And then after I got clean, and I'd finally gotten over that hump, I started to think to myself, I owe it to... I've tried to share life experience with people to help them my entire life when it came to fitness and nutrition and other battles I was going through. Nothing like this. And uh, I said, you know what? Fuck it. Maybe, you know, I I was pretty sure I was going to lose some friends over it. I knew I was going to lose maybe some potential endorsements or sponsorships or business relations. And I put that post up, which was it was withdrawal. I was going through withdrawals and just sweating through my sheets. And yeah. you literally see, like, the outline of my body, like, my back i like on the thing. I remember I got up. I couldn't sleep, man. You know what's crazy? When I was going through, trying to get clean, I, I didn't sleep. And <clears throat> shout out to my guy, Tomas, at Self Made, because—and Self Made and Earned. My, this guy, Kai, that was over and Earned. Two gyms that were right there. I, I paid for my membership. But I had keys to both gyms. So when I couldn't sleep, and it was 3, 4 in the morning, and I couldn't sleep, I went to the gym. I was in there 3, 4 in the morning, banging weights, man. And I would go home, start my day, eat, 12 o'clock, back in the gym. 6 o'clock at night. I was in there two, three times a day, wow. and that saved me. But I'm So I put that post up. And again, no names mentioned. I had several people that I knew in this world, this space, that reached out to me and were like, Bro, I had no idea. I went through the same thing. What? You? Really? No fucking way. I would never believe that. Like some people that you would never think had dealt with opiates or opioids and gone through that type of addiction, but it was more common than I thought. And uh, that turned into people starting to reach out to me, not coming to me for help, like Joey coached me through this, but Mm. hey man, you gave me the strength to try to get clean myself and i talked to a lot of people i would sat on the phone with people two three in the morning strangers people that were just messaging me out of the blue always of course very safely saying listen if you need to talk to a medical professional that's what you need to do i'm not giving you the solution i can tell you what i did for me but i'm not saying that works for you and a big part of that a big part of that was the gym the gym saved my life when it came to that. That's why. That's another reason I'm so passionate about trying to, I don't want to say fix gym culture because I'm not going to be arrogant enough to say I could fix it, but to make it better to the point where people that need help can get it through the gym and the people that would be candidates to, to maybe have that type of transformation, not just physically, but emotionally, mentally, mm. and have that. Same passion for the gym as I had, and it saved me, so that they can have that, too.
1: How did you get addicted, Joey?
0: No names mentioned. 16 years of football, followed by, I've been in the gym now 20 years, but at at that time, what, 16, 17 years in the gym. Get a lot of bumps and bruises, a lot of injuries. Got a tear in my tricep tendon, got... No cartilage in my knee, two tears in my knee, two broken vertebrae, bulged discs. My left shoulder is, I need a complete shoulder replacement. We talked about that yesterday. I got tons of bumps and bruises, but I'll never stop training. Like, we, you know how it is, man. You have, it's like yesterday with your back. You're like, I'm fucking training. You just, you fight through the pain. I remember I had a buddy one time. He was, a, it's not his fault. I don't blame anybody else but me. He was like, it was was nighttime, and I was just in a lot of pain. He's like, man, try one of these. And he gave me, I I never took pills. And that wasn't a big, not even ibuprofen. And he gave me a a Vicodin. And I remember just taking it and being like, fuck, man, this feels great. And I was able to do my work. I was happy. And that was like the taste. And then once, and I didn't get hooked right away, but once in a while, if I had severe pain, I was like, this isn't bad. And then COVID and, and the pandemic came, and. It turned into being alone in your house at night, completely just in need of something to make you feel good. And it became the dependency on that. It was having, popping a bunch of pills and having a couple beers. You feel like you're on top of the world. You go from feeling like you're this lowest of lows. Two, everything's gonna be okay, man. Everything's gonna be great. You are gonna do great things. Life is gonna be great. You're gonna fix things. And it's just an empty promise, man, because the next morning you wake up and it's all the same.
1: If not worse. Yeah. Was this a script that the doctor written you? No.
0: I had some before that doctors had given me, obviously for injuries and stuff like that, but no, this was not from the doctor, no.
1: On your worst day, how many were taken?
0: 15 at a time. That one night I fucking tried to kill myself. I would say daily throughout the day, man. I probably got up to teens, 15, 20. A day? At a time. At, there, was, there were points I was doing eight to 10 at a time.
1: In a handful. Just, just, yeah.
0: Yeah, I can't even remember, man. It was, let's just say wow. the person that I was using to get them was a friend. <laughs> he was telling me that, that was at my place often yeah pretty much all of the pandemic all of that first part of the pandemic up until i got clean fall of all 2020 it'll be three years this november this october november it'll be three years
1: so why was it that you decided to take this to the public and not try and bottle this in silence was it a duty that you felt to maybe to
0: i would love to sit here and say and be like this hero of oh, I wanted to help other people yeah of course that's part of it I've helped a lot of people and I know I've spoken up about it and I've talked to people yeah you have. Uh, but it was it helped me too man it was, it was it's a great feeling to get something off your chest to be open about something that maybe isn't discussed as much especially when you are a man right men were not supposed to have these types of problems or go through certain things that deal with mental health and things of that nature. And again, I'm not saying that you have to sit here and be vocal about every little problem you have, but what I went through was very serious. And I think, like I said, it all goes back to if social media wasn't a thing, would I have had an addiction? Probably not, right? Would I have gone through some of the things I went through if social media wasn't a thing? No, I wouldn't have. 100% I wouldn't have. And again, like I said, man, everybody today on social media wants to be social media famous. Yeah, That's something else I talk about is I try to push that fame isn't real. You can have all the followers in the world, but that's not going to make you happy, man. None of that stuff, it's all temporary. Like you said, it's all fake. So that definitely plays a huge part. I don't want people to, like I said, equate their value and their self-worth to likes and views and those things that, like I said, are so... Instantly gratifying and give you that dopamine rush. Mm-hmm. But in the end, it's just, it's empty, man. It's all empty. So for me, it was also a transformation, right? I changed in so many ways Yeah, over the past three years. My, I don't really get angry much anymore about a lot of things. Hmm. I let a lot of things go. I'm a lot more cool and calm. I have a lot more perspective on life. I became a better partner, which was really big for me. I I can't even imagine what it had to be dating me, to be living with me, to be trying to build a life with me, and to sit there and see myself, see me drowning myself with pills and Mm. not trying to get help or not trying to get away from it. I can only imagine how helpless she must have felt and at the same time maybe scared that I was going to never not wake up one day. So... I needed, I needed, like you said yesterday, man, we want to be the best versions of ourselves and find ways to do that. And once that is in the gym, what else could it be? I want to be a good man, right? I think I am a good man, but I want to be somebody that leaves the world a little better place than it was before me.
1: And with all these people you've helped out in the past, <clears throat> all the millions of dollars, tens of millions of dollars that you've yeah. helped with these athletes that you've set, set up and... How many of these people were you around or were around for you when you hit rock bottom? Nobody. I knew that answer. i yeah. asking it.
0: <laughs> I'll say this. When one of the lowest points for me was is one of the nights I was feeling really down and this is actually I should just tell this completely transparently the night that I tried to end it I texted somebody that I had been there for many times took care of Made sure in so many ways they were okay, been there. I texted them and I said, Hey, I feel like I might do something stupid. I need somebody. And their response was, I just, I don't feel like driving 45 minutes right now. Come on, bro. Yeah. And to me, I thought to myself, Wow, this is somebody that says they love me, somebody that's supposed to be in my circle, somebody that I've literally saved i've done so much for and you don't want to drive 45 minutes to save my life okay but well, why the fuck is my life worth anything then why what's the point point? and that was what kind of tipped me over and i was like fuck it then man so
1: it's sad bro this night i've i think we've got very similar stories and obviously i are not being in them shoes but when you've done a lot for other people and then you kinda ask for the smallest of thing and it's not reciprocated. It's a it's tough to yeah. it's a tough thing. And <clears throat> being in the mindset that you were and I'm sure you expressed that to your friend too, ex friend, I hope.
0: No, not nope. No? No, let me tell you something. I that's something I've changed over the past few years. I used to be a very vindictive person. Okay. I was very much the if you hurt me, biblical. Like I Tenfold, man. I fucking make sure you feel it, and that started very young, very young. I had a girl that I dated in high school that cheated on me, so I hooked up with her two best friends. And I made sure <laughs> not just one, two, at the same time. <laughs> oh my god! And I made she knew. I made sure she knew about it. I made sure it stung, and that was my perception for my for a very long time. And I've, I've come to the realization over the past few years that one hurt people. And so when people come at me or try to hurt me, I know, especially like strangers on the internet, right? When people say things, I know that they're not really trying to hurt me. They're hurting themselves. So I've always thought that. And the other thing is this, I don't, you see people always say things like, do it to prove the haters wrong. Everybody wants vindication. Everybody wants revenge. It's like, no, man, fuck that. Don't do it to prove the haters wrong. Do it to prove those that love and support you, even if the only person that supports you is yourself. Don't let anybody that doubts you or hates on you have any part of your success or any part of what you want to become as a human being to say that you're proud of who you are.
1: Now, listening to this, obviously, I'm sure your story is it's inspiring. And I'm even for the viewers that are listening to this, maybe it resonates to a situation yeah. that they're going through right now. What advice would you give somebody that's listening to this podcast who's That's listening and thinking, man, this is my story and I recognize this. And how did you then become strong enough to not go back and pop that pill bottle open and go all over it again?
0: I think anything that I've spoken about on this show, whether it's about fitness and health or if it's about the addiction or just treating people with kind of, it's a one day at a time thing. It's a win the day type of attitude. And... You know what's crazy is the addiction community is like a family. It's a very strong community, and it's just, to me, it reminds me so much. It parallels the gym community so much, and there's a lot of people in both. The support that I've gotten from the gym community and, like I said, people in the addiction community has been incredible. My advice to people would be, like I said, one day at a time. I understand you could feel like you're in a prison i can understand it feels like there's no hope but if you try to win the day it th- that builds up it builds up that was the biggest thing with me that was my mentality was just build up a string of days man where you're having good days and you're not doing it and you're get yourself off and that became my path that was how i achieved getting clean and really anything that i've done in life it's always just what can i do now what can i do today to put myself in a place to achieve that or or become that.
1: And right now, obviously, you've done that. You've moved on. You've learned your lessons. Now you're dating a beautiful young lady who's (laughs) also in the fitness industry. Also, she's a full-time firefighter. Obviously, I followed... The relationship blossoming, and one thing I know with you, Joey, is everybody's looking at your dating life, right? They were like, who is he going to be dating? Because, <laughs> you know, one time is Joey was a single man of the town, let's be honest, I right? Was, I you was. Know, I was. we've worked a few exports together, and, and I looked <laughs> over, I was like, Joey, you know what, I'm sure you were with somebody else the other night. But anyway, that's another story for another time. Mom is watching. Yes. But... No, the oh, Joey. No, she he knows, knows, he knows. She knows. knows. She knows. So Are you my kidding me? I, dude, <laughs> she will tell this.
0: Thing. She literally, will t- t- she had to tell girls to stop calling the house. Oh, she
1: no. She knows. My mom has seen things she'll take to the grave. My Listen, she's even told my wife, she's, you better believe, the what, the guy you're with right now has changed significantly compared yeah. to what uh, used to be when he was playing rugby. But the dating life for you now, it seems like you've really got a great foundation. And I think that is the key to everything, right? Foundation. I have a home life that I truly Love. I look forward to and I nurture. Yes, I play the role of Flex Lewis, but then I go home and I'm dad. I'm husband and every Saturday, no compromises. If I'm obviously not on the road. That's family day. Yeah. I don't talk about the gym. I don't want to go to the gym. I don't train. It's all about waking that's up and awesome. being dad. Yeah. And that's a line in the sand. Of course, obviously not every weekend that can happen. But obviously, listen, I work all day. People think that I, I don't know what people think, but I'm in this office working on my businesses. Yeah. The brands, the everything else, the multiple different things. We have just under 200 employees, and all the businesses we have. So we are working from this office every single day. When I go home, I'm dead. Yeah. I don't bring that home. Yes, there might be some calls that come through because of international stuff, but for the most part, I'm getting better at becoming the switch. And you have to have it. I've noticed with you and through social media and through our friends. Then should we say? Everybody has said, man, Joey is, Joey's become such a different guy. Would you attest that to the relationship that you have now and other things that have happened?
0: Yeah, I would attest that to, I I don't want to say a different guy. Like it was a complete different person.
1: I like the Matured. Mature. 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 That's what I should have said.
0: Different values in life. Yes. I I definitely
1: have different values in life. Thank you for clarifying that.
0: I I feel like I've always had a really good heart and I've always treated people with kindness and stuff. I just, you, you grow up, you mature, you find out what really matters in life and uh, you kind of see past all the bullshit and all the stuff that was like instant gratification. And like you said, you just mature and you continue to work on being the best version of yourself. And unfortunately the best version of yourself sometimes means you have to kill off certain parts of who you were. And, so, and I, I hope that's that. an everyday process. That's something that you continue to do. And it's just been something for me over the past two, three years, four years that has been expedited.
1: So, what would you say you've killed off the most?
0: <sighs> it's a good question. The single man of the town was definitely, I was definitely somebody that grew up with a lot of insecurity, got bullied and made fun of a lot as a kid. And when I was all of a sudden fifth, sixth grade, developed a jawline, <laughs> became, I got that first smile from a girl and that, that attention, which felt good and made you feel like, Hey, I'm good enough Or you. That's a whole nother story. But women for me, I've always been very respectful to the women in terms of if I'm seeing somebody, even if we're not dating seriously, I was always taking them to dinner and I was never one night stand guy. And I, I remember my uncle told me when I was very young, he was like, if you're ever going to sleep with a woman and you feel like the second after you come you want them to put their clothes on and leave, or you want to leave, don't do it. Don't be that type of man. Never do that to a woman. So I was, even women I wasn't seriously dating and I was just hanging out with. I, I was always respectful. I still took them to dinners, and I enjoyed spending time with them. But it was, it was you, you search for, like I said, that assurance and that being good enough by getting attention from women. In this industry especially, like the first... A few years in, you're, you're blowing up and there's, you go to these expos and there's beautiful women everywhere, beautiful fit women. And it's just, it's tough. It's tough. Exactly. It's tough. So I think the one thing that has changed with me is realizing like that doesn't mean anything. Like whether it's sex, whether it's attention, whether it's being able to say that you talk to a certain number of girls. Like it, it means a lot more to have a partner and have a best friend and have somebody that gives you purpose, and that's definitely part of me that has changed. Listen, I'm still a, I'm still a, uh, uh, I'm still a flirty personality dog, but but, uh, but somebody's got the leash in you. But <laughs> exactly, I am chained to the front porch. Just because I'm chained to the front porch, don't mean I can't bark at the mailman. Uh, I just can't bite him. Yeah, I just no, I don't mean that. She, my girl, is great and she's wonderful and she. And it's, it's, she's had a transformation herself, because I remember she came with me the first time she ever experienced this, because she wasn't really in this space until me. We went to the LA Fit Expo, and we walked in. It took me 45 minutes to get from the front door to the stairs to get upstairs.
1: What does she think? If that's her first experience, she's what the hell is this, Joey? Listen, and the way we met was she asked me to take a photo,
0: because she, she followed me and knew me yeah. in Chicago. but. I remember there was a girl that asked me to pick her up in my arms. Like I was bicep curling her for a photo. And this to me is normal. I've done this yeah. at expos. I don't think twice. And I did that. And she was like, what the fuck are you doing? That's bullshit. Don't do that shit. That's inappropriate. You've got, you have a girl. I was like, whoa. And that kind of has till today where she's, she don't give a fuck, man. She knows if I take a photo with mm. a woman, it's respectful. She's seen, you know, how, like I said, you're an entertainer. You're trying to yeah. give somebody a smile, a laugh. Whether I flex with a female or I send a video to their boyfriend or just funny, goofy stuff like that. She's really matured in that sense, too, and been really supportive of what I do.
1: How hard is it for you to, at nights then, for her, for you to be sitting at home knowing that she's in very dangerous situations? I
0: hate it. I hate it. I Listen, I have all the respect in the world for Absolutely. first responders, firefighters, and I love the guys in her house. I've met them all. They're great guys. They're awesome. One of the guys is actually a big follower of mine too, which was cool. But it's tough. I'm very traditional when it comes to the type of man I am. I'm protective. I want my other half to be laying next to me in bed at night. But she loves it, and she's worked so hard over the past three years to become what she – become a firefighter. It's tough, man. It's very tough because, like you said, you think to yourself. And she told me, she said, listen – I remember she's like, there's this app that you can download and you can see all the fires we go on. And I was like, I, I don't know if you know. want to watch that. I'm like, Are you fucking crazy? Dude, do you understand? I remember listen, I'm not good with blood. I'm not good with gore. I can't even like the first saw movie, I walked out within the first three minutes <laughs> to go watch Shrek. I literally I was there with a girl and her friends. The first scene was somebody's head getting twisted or something. Yeah. I was like, Nope, fuck this. I got up and I walked next door and I went and watched Shrek by myself. While they watch Saw. I'll be with you bro. Uh, like I remember her fir- her first week really on the job she came home and was like and this is something I do that and this is why I have so much respect for firefighters and the people first responders, police officers people that deal with this nurses people in hospitals like she had to pick up parts of a woman off the expressway that got an accident on the expressway went through the wheel and, she- and there's parts of this woman all over the expressway. and she had to go pick that up and she's telling me this and I'm like no I'm like you save a cat out of a tree?" bring it home you you uh, you know you so, something like that great i love to hear it maimed bodies and all this stuff. no keep that at the firehouse so she knows better she doesn't she spares me all the gore that she sees and the stuff but
1: with that being said do you know when she's had one of them days and when she's not had one of them days
0: yeah oh yeah she definitely it's tough it's tough It's tough not only being a female and what she does, which, by the way, she has outperformed men in all her testing. She is a beast. She is a badass. Yeah, yeah. She definitely, there's times she comes home, and I I see that she definitely needs a little more support and me to step up. To be honest with you, and this isn't a knock on her, and like I said, our relationship is very lopsided right now. She's not able to be physically and emotionally as available because of her job. And it's very tough on me, and it's very hard, but... That's the job. That's the job for at least the first few years until she figures everything out and I deal
1: with it. I'm sure it's a yin to yang, right? She's been there for you as you've gone through these mental maturities and as of she, she's doing the same thing. But I think that when you see beauty in all of that and you're focusing on what the core of what is and what is, uh, what has brought you together, you're going to have your good days and your bad days, but love is love, right? And uh, she's seen you at your worst or at least knows your worst. And I'm sure you've seen the same thing for her, or at least know of it. In London, <clears throat> the longest podcast I've ever done in my life. I really? Yep. Yeah. Yeah, officially this is the longest podcast we have. I know that prior to jumping on, you did tell me, Flex, I'm going to give you an exclusive that I've not even spoken about yet. So, what is that?
0: <laughs> I you done with the video?
1: <laughs> no, I was told by yourself and Mark that... Uh, so- well, I no, don't know if we're talking about the same thing, you. No, but I, here we are. Oh, so talking about the videos
0: I do. I, re- I was going to give you a video, an example of a video that I would do. at... Oh, this is the. This isn't what he said. <laughs> this is completely different. So this. So you're going to get two. Okay. All right, there we go. All right. Well, no, we spoke about this. The so the tour, so the gym positivity tour is what is what he was alluding to, and that's like we spoke about earlier, where we're going to do, and I'll post. Oh, sorry. Sorry. And I'll post about this more so on social media and put out more details. But we talked about the banner raisings and the GPN flags and gyms and stuff like that. And what we're going to do is we're going to launch a tour for these gyms where they can have me. I'll fly out. We'll do a ceremony appearance, beautiful event to celebrate that gym, becoming part of the community, part of the network, hang a banner in the gym and speak about the commandments and stuff like that. And give back to their gym community and let them know what they're about and give them our support and have them become part of the network. And I know Mark said, and again, guys, I'll post more about this on my social media. For example, it's bookings at joey soul.com. If you're interested for the gyms, yeah, this is going to be, like I said, we've done two gyms already yep. to test it out. It was great. And my goal is, like I said, this isn't about me. This is about, like I said, the culture, the brother, sister to iron. It's bigger. It's bigger than, than just my pages it's about building that environment and helping those people outside the gym doors to step foot and so that's what we want to do
1: that's huge and i know we spoke about this earlier in the episode but you didn't mention the tour that's why yeah. i danced around it a little bit but the tour is going to be all announced on your social media Yeah, on my, on my platform, and so. it's going to be like a I'm guessing scattered around the country is different, different dates. You will fly in. You're going to have, like you said, a ceremony. You're going to hang a banner. And it's going to be like an event all in and around the gym positivity.
0: Yeah. We've had a lot. I've had a lot of gyms reach out that would, you know, it is. You have gyms that want you to come do appearances, come do things. And I want to be able to incentivize and offer them more. And at the same time, really push my message. It's not Mm -hmm. having me come to your gym is great. And I'm sure, like I said, People will show up for that. But I want people to show up and realize what we're trying to accomplish and put the brand first and put, like I said, the mission of what we're trying to accomplish first.
1: That's fantastic, man. I, and honestly, like I've said at the beginning of the episode, I'm so happy that this is being done. Us at the Dragon's Lair, just so you guys know, we would love to look into to doing this with yourself. How that looks, we can discuss off the podcast. But I'm all about that. I'm all about gym positivity. I'm all about creating a culture. And uh, can you just remind the fans, followers, and gym owners around the nation how they can get in contact with you and your team to become yeah. a part yeah. of this?
0: Yeah, you can... Contact us directly through Joeyswoll.com, bookings at com. You can go to our social media pages, for example, Instagram, Jim Positivity Nation. You can DM that page. There's info on there for contact. You can always email joey at joeyswold.com, my personal email, which I use for my coaching and other stuff. There's a multitude of ways to contact us. And trust me, we will see it and we will get back to you.
1: And the last quick fire question, and it's going to be the last one before the podcast. Let's have it. Give it to me. If you could go back in time and give your past self a message on the day one on your fitness journey, what would it be? By XRP.
0: Ah! (laughs) Day one, I, I would tell myself something I learned probably halfway through my lifting journey, which was it's not how much you lift, it's how well you lift it. Kill the ego. Walking in the gym, you always want... To bench, you want to bench five plates, you want to squat five, six plates, you want to be the strongest. And it's, it, being a bodybuilder is a lot different than being a power lifter. There's a lot of people that can do both, and you need to obviously push moderate to heavy weight. I'm not saying you don't, but there's, I think, when I first started, I would have focused more on doing the exercises that are sustainable to continue durability, to remove potential for injury, and to shape the muscle, focus on the squeeze, slow control. Like yesterday when we trained slow controlled reps with that drive that squeeze that's something you don't really pick up when you first start in the gym that i try to give to a lot of people that's something you learn over time especially as a bodybuilder somebody trying to create a physique and art whereas most people are just like what's the number one question people ask you how much you bench how much you you squat it's like that i don't know a single bodybuilder not many that barbell bench press i I don't yeah i don't i and i haven't for years and i know I always look at Dexter Jackson, right? Dexter Jackson never even did free weights. The oh man was on machines, <laughs> taking months off after shows. The man had it; he was so smart, and that's why he did what he did. And he's one of the greatest of all time. And the guy was competing until he was fifty in his fifties. So <sighs> Still looks fantastic. Still looks fantastic. God bless
1: and him. And I think that's that's right there in London is playing. Right there, Dexter Jackson is truly a example that people should look at. Right. You can see the strongest bodybuilders in the world. But unfortunately, they're not even able to train Mm. right now. They had their time. They definitely done what they did. Dare I say it, a lot of paying the price. But then when you've got athletes who have gone the long route, yes, genetics play a part. Of course, listen, Dexter Jackson is an absolute genetic phenom. But I've trained with Dexter I think we laughed and joked in between in between sets more than we'd done reps <laughs> on the fucking weights. But that guy truly, again, is all about hypertrophy. Every rep yep. counted. Yep. You could see when he was training arms, he squeezed every little fiber, every bit of fiber, every bit of blood into that bicep yep. and controlled the weight down. Just as an example, but again, look at him now. He's not competing. He's come off the gas, I'm sure. So he's still training. He's still and, and, killing it. And still looks Healthy. fantastic.
0: Walk. The guy is, like I said, he. people should look at how he, especially the second half of his career, should look at what he did and put a blueprint together that takes, even if it's just the taking the rest after a show or the staying away from the free weights. For certain things, I'll yeah. always be a free weight guy for some stuff. But yeah, no, Dexter's one of the best, man. I love Dexter. Yeah. Hey, Dexter's always been a good guy to me, man. Since me when I first met him at Gold's when I was a young buck, and you <laughs> would always be like, what's up, Swole, what's up, Swole? Yeah. A little yeah. side story before we,
1: again, I'm saying this twice now. <laughs> my, my wife and myself, we met at the Arnold Classic, mm-hmm. but our first date was when Dexter... Invited me up to his show, The Gas And he knew that I was seeing a girl from Florida. So he played the part. So shout out to Gale and shout out to Dexter. He helped me put that day together. And obviously, I must have done something right. I'm still with her to this day. So, God bless you. Yeah, beautiful we had family. A, we, we had a yeah. thank you, brother. We had a great, great date, first experience. Like obviously, I, I can I can say that Dexter had a small part yeah. in helping me put that together. That is awesome. And I got paid to meet my first my wife on her first date. <laughs> <laughs> <A> date. <laughs> but Joey, mate, there's a few cards that I would have loved to have spoken to you about, and always things like. Passion projects yeah, that you yeah. were involved with, that I'm involved with, even crypto that we've not even popped the lid on. No, know you and I both big into XRP and yes, other yes cryptos, sir. but I think it just gives us the excuse. You're some. Mark was telling me you're going to interview BitBoy. Yeah. I can't put that on camera,
0: but oh, <laughs> yes, sorry. it's all right. <laughs> he is a very good friend of mine. And we really? Talk. Yeah. We're going to do some stuff together too.
1: Oh, well that said, then I'll get, <laughs> I'll keep it in. But yeah, we reached out. We spoke about doing a podcast together, getting him in yeah. before he goes to Dubai yeah. And, uh, and doing something because he's an XRP guy. He today. is an XRP guy. He's a lot of people. XRP army. Yes, sir. And there's a few other, a few other cryptos I'm involved with. And again. But again, you and I, you've been in it a little bit longer than me. You've gone through more of scarier times. Yeah. I've, uh, yeah, a little <laughs> bit more scarier times. But thankfully now there's new horizons and brighter futures yes, to come. And I'm excited to hear that story in a part two. I'm here. Joey Swall gym positivity nation and many other things straight out there we are out